animal-friendly episode of the Empire Podcast this week, we get all our ducks in a row with Kamel Nanjiani, star of Migration. And we let the cat out of the bag with Argyle stars Henry Cavill and Sam Rockwell. All that and more on the movie podcast that has just feasted on Madame Webb. And she was very tasty as well which is nice. Hello pod, I'm Chris Hewitt. Welcome to the Empire Podcast. I should explain, I've just returned from a lovely junket from Adam Webb uh, at a top London hotel. I will not reveal its location or indeed its name. And there they served macarons with uh, the faces of the Madam Webb cast on there. So, uh, And they're very nice macarons as well. Uh, so there we go. Anyway, I'm joined by my three colleagues of such lethal cunning, none of whom have feasted on the cast of Madam Web. Steady. Uh, Geek Queen Helen O'Hara is here. Hello, Helen. Have you feasted on any Hollywood stars? No. Have you never eaten, for example, uh, on the podcast recently, we had Andrew Scott. Did you miss me? Did you miss me? And uh, Paul Meskel. And just before we, we did that interview, I was in the room. Yeah. Uh, Alex Godfrey and I feasted on, <laughs> this perhaps wasn't in keeping with the the tone of all of us strangers, but they had all of us strangers cupcakes in the little press holding room uh, oh, with see. Paul Meskel and Andrew Scott's faces on them. So, Oh, I mean, if we we're talking just feasted, about faces on cupcakes, yeah, then, I wasn't then, trying there's to a very good trap chance that I have. Yes. Confession of a crime. No, I mean, but you haven't I, I can't think of anyone. exactly specifically who, because if there are cupcakes, I'm too busy eating them to look at the pictures of wise. the people on top. Yeah. Very, very wise. I imagine um, James has a similar Yes, James so. Dyer, our great big fucking nerd, is also here. Jimbo, have you feasted on any Hollywood royalty? I like to take a small bite out of everyone I interview. Yes. Yes. Yes, there's a reason James doesn't do many interviews. Yes. Well, only on Zoom. Yeah. Uh, last but not least, we have the nicest serial killer in the business, somebody who takes a chunk out of everybody he meets. It's Ben Travis. Hello, Ben. Hello. I can think of one in particular. When we were in lockdown, uh, obviously normally we'd get bits of like promotional cakes sent to the office and we all partake of the cake. It gets shared around. Cake is a made-up drug. It is. It affects the part of the brain known as Shatner's <laughs> bassoon. <laughs> the bit that controls time, I believe. Um, so normally, yeah, a cake comes into the office. Happy days. We all share it around. In COVID times, obviously, all no. these press drops are coming directly to our houses. Yeah. I got a press drop for oh. Wonder Woman 1984 dun, 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 that included dun, 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 dun. an entire sheet cake of Gal Gadot. A sheet cake? It wasn't very nice. No, it was delicious. He's not uh, putting on an accent. <laughs> it was a delicious cake. And I am pretty sure I ate Gal Gadot's head in cake no, form. No, you succeeded where Maxwell Lord failed. <laughs> in every sense. The cake is good, but it could be better. <laughs> oh my God. They, yeah, they turned up with the same thing at my house. And I sent them away with a torrent of abuse and said, never darken my doors with this Why would you thing turn again. away cake? We had that problem back in the Empire office. At one point, when people, when Dan foolishly told some PR that we got too much cake, true. nightmare scenario. Nightmare. Because the other alternatives are all were all worse. Yeah. There was a time when PRs used to try to send semi-naked people into the office, and it's just mm. weird and nasty or when you're actual trying to work. naked people, which really? happened on at least one occasion. Yes. Really? Yes. So genuinely, this was for a racing game. I want to say it was a Gran Turismo game, and they sent two buxom young ladies wearing only body paint to the office and it was 
extremely awkward and none of us would go down to meet them in reception. So in the end, we sent our then art director down. I will not name him. Uh, he had his picture taken between the two of them. Oh, I remember this. Yeah. He, he was very happy. He was very happy. <laughs> and I was just like, this is just upsetting. Can I make a request? If any PRs who do press drops are listening to this, when Ghostbusters Afterlife came out, we got a large jar of green slime delivered to the office. <laughs> and because we didn't know how to dispose of the slime... You should see what they say for Gaspar Noe's love. But anyway, <laughs> carry, carry, carry on. Oh, God. <laughs> because we didn't know how to dispose of the slime, it genuinely came with a card saying, pour it down a bath very slowly. It's like, we don't have a bath in this office. That's how you end up with rivers of ooze under the city. Right. Yeah. Under the city. Have and they then not you... seen Ghostbusters too? Come on, guys. Probably not, in fairness. <laughs> so we just kept this jar of green slime in the office for a long time. It became like the, the editor. mascot of we, the office. We kept the slime. We, <laughs> we <laughs> kept the slime. <laughs> it became okay. sentient. That's the slime, slime stayed by my desk. It wore a top hat at times. We called it Senor Slime. It was a whole thing. <laughs> and then when we moved out of the Camden office, there came the horrible day when we were having to clear stuff out and only keep what we wanted to bring across to the new office and send your slime. I don't even, I don't know what happened to him. They put him down the bath. I don't know which bath they put him down. You should have taken them to the canal in Camden and then cleaned the water by putting the Let's be honest, not the worst thing that would be in the canal. <laughs> yeah. Um, so whoever is looking after Ghostbusters Frozen Empire, if you are coming up with press drop ideas, Please, can you send us a new jar of slime? Why would that no. be the thing that you ask for? Because I want Senor Slime well, too. It would be Senor Frozen Slime this time. Be Senor Slushy. Um, no. uh, yeah, that, that works. Do ben, that. Ben loves a slushy. He Ooh, absolutely oh my loves God, a slushy. Tango Ice Blast. Please send us Tango Ice Blasts. Okay, I'm going to pivot, pivot. I'm going to pivot to a different conversation jar, jar. based on last week's show. And I'm simply going to say, Helen, sniff me. Oh, God. Um, I feel, okay, I'm going to have to consult with HR first, yeah. but fine. There, there does appear to be some kind of scent. I am wearing green slime. A cologne. <laughs> uh, as, as, as recommended by a modern woman of this parish who freakishly ends. He's a cologne mixologist, as we found out last week. Uh, but yeah, he got me thinking about this. So I am I'm wearing a scent today. What scent? Uh, it's from Aesop. It's like, uh -huh. it's like one of their little spray things. Um that's the technical You're term. You're sure it's not a room spray? It could be a room spray. It was an air freshener. It's air wick, it's called, I believe. No, it's John uh, Wick. John Wick, very good. Uh, yeah, so, I, but the thing is, the, the, I was, I was because we had we had a few people write in after Amon talked about his his penchant for the, the scents, uh, and they were saying, you know, why would you deny yourselves and the people around you the joy of smelling delightful? So but, I, that's but, why I have I have done this. I've never detected Amon's scent. Neither have I. I'd be a terrible daredevil. Yeah. But... You have to get close. Like, Helen got pretty close to you. Closer than, did. than I think Helen was, was comfortable with. Yeah, closer yeah. than I was comfortable with. Yeah. Uh, ben was loving it. But <laughs> <laughs> I have advanced senses. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I put some on today, but like it already feels like it's gone again. I was going to say, what know? have you got? Because I've got on today. What, I've got what, what um, Vanille by Sir Lutien, Lutien, something like that. Right. I've got and, Vaguely of Piss by Luton. <laughs> and Ben, who are you wearing? I am wearing Boss Bottled Oud. Ooze. Ooh. The secret no, of the no, ooze. Ood, not ood. secret of the ooze. Not the Doctor Who ood. Ood as in O-U-D. An oody. Mm. Anyway, listen, enough of this nonsense. This let's great get on. smelling podcast. Oh, come on, honestly. Uh, let's discuss this week's question. And so the question was essentially to kind of right Oscar wrongs or to award an Oscar to... So award an Oscar to an actor who has won an Oscar... 
but for the performance that they actually deserved to win the Oscar for. James, you will remember this, this question. This is, I was about to say, we did didn't this last we do week. this last week? Yes, but, but we for did it actors. with actors last yes. week. Right. Yes, now we're doing it for actresses. And next week we'll do it one last go for directors. That is directors. And then we'll take a new question and we'll, we'll sally forth. Uh, so, all right. So let's try and narrow this down and keep it to the last 10 years or so. Uh, ben, you look at, like immediately you have someone you want to you, you want to talk about uh winners okay. only yes winners only well i see olivia coleman and she will forever be sophie from peep show to me and i know that that's not how the oscars works <laughs> it's unlikely she could yeah. have won the oscar for playing sophie in peep show across the entire run i i would support that bending of the rules okay that that's not how the oscars work though ben but um, i mean i think yeah. in a way maybe she did you know mm. like they saw the favorite and they were like this is our chance to finally acknowledge peep show right? peep show and also Hot Fuzz. Uh, well, yeah. But I, I think the... Yeah, so she won for the favourite, Olivia Coleman, 2019. National Treasure. Uh, Dame in Waiting. All that sort of stuff. Wonderful, wonderful uh, human being. I, I think she should have won for Paddy Considine's Tyrannosaur, to be honest. She's amazing. Yeah, that, that goes back a long way, though. So when do we... What what year was that? I go, that's 2000 and, uh, 2009... Something like that. Two thousand nine. Yeah, but that, that's not that's not that's not important when it was. I'm just going to give it to her for that. Okay. Yeah, I'm just going to give it to that. So Michelle Yeoh won last year for yeah. everything, everywhere, all at once. Should have won, obviously, for Tomorrow Never Dies. Oh, jeez. <laughs> no, I think I think the Oscars got that one right. I think we can Damn. all agree. I, the only thing is, like, I would have quite liked a, a tie with Tar because I genuinely think Kate Blanchett should have won it for that, and not for what was Blue it, Jasmine? The Aviator and Blue Jasmine. Did she win for the aviator? Didn't she? Maybe Did she, she didn't. Maybe she didn't. Did she win for Elizabeth? Remember. Didn't she win for Elizabeth? No, uh, no. I think she was nominated. All right. Okay. I'm very, very not up on what Kate Blanchett uh, won stuff for. Uh, that's that's my bad. That is my bad. Michelle Yeoh. No, no quibbles no with that. No one's going to argue no with quibbles. Michelle Yeoh. She could literally rip our heads yeah. off. And rightly so, frankly. Yep. Uh, Jessica Chastain oh, won for the notes. eyes so, of Tammy no, Faye. Yeah, no, I yeah. have no, 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 no. I love Jessica Chastain. So Let's I. give her an Oscar by all means, but not for that. Not the for three, that five, five. No. Um, no. Maybe not for that either. Sweep the board, the entire cast. No. Sebastian Stan, we all best know, actor. We all know she should have won for Molly's Game. Oh, we're not doing this again, are we? Is this still going? So tedious. He's only seen three films. He can. <laughs> there's the, hey, and he, he, I think he even Helen McGree is better than the eyes of Tammy Faye. But he's uh, seen Aliens, <laughs> The Rise of Skywalker, and Molly's Game, and that's it. He's the new Michael Owen. <laughs> yes. Unbelievable. Michael Owen's seen more films than James. Uh, yeah. So, what would you would, would it be Molly's Game genuinely? Because she was very no. good in that film. No, she was good. She didn't deserve an Oscar for it. Even I'm not that not? mental. No. Okay. All right. Uh, Zero Dark Thirty, maybe. Zero Dark Thirty. Life, perhaps? Even no, Interstellar, no, quite no, frankly. Uh, it's a small role, though. It'd be, it'd it be is, supporting. but she's very good. Because it's, it's, it's in a Christopher Nolan film, so it, and she's a woman. Hey, come on now. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Sandra Bullock. Oh, have Jesus I broken Christ. the... Have yes. I broken so we're the, going okay, in fine. order. Frances McDormand. I came at you from the blind side. Okay, won I mean, one of her three Oscars. Yeah. Now, that, that's too many. It's, it's, <laughs> too many. it's not too many. Like, again, who's, are and we going to argue? Are we going to pick them. a fight with Frances McDormand? Yes, I'm going to pick a fight with Frances wow. McDormand. Shit. Also, none of those are for Darkman. So, ergo... Yeah, but one of them's for Fargo. So, like, back off, dude. Back but in off. a way, Helen, as we well know, every Oscar winner may well be Dr. Peyton Westlake. <laughs> so, in a, way, in a way, Darkman has won every Oscar every since Oscar ever. Darkman so was released. Fine. 
So I'm okay with that. Uh, but Francis McDormand uh, for Shit in a Bucket and Nomadland. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is a, a strange category, but, but there you go. <laughs> honestly, Vanessa Kirby that year, Pieces of a Woman, is actually an astonishing. Yeah, performance. she's very it's good. Really, in that. really good. She's very um, good. Viola Davis, maybe she needs a, a leading Oscar, isn't hers, of supporting category yep. that she won. So Fences. you know, there's an argument for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom there. Uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't hate the Nomadland win. Actually, if we we're good, if we were taking one off Frances McDormand, that's not the one I'd take off. I'd take off three billboards. Three billboards, surely. I'd take off three. That's what I'm saying. Why? Because it's. I mean, it's fine. It's, it's wonderful. Good. Yeah. But I don't I, love that's, that movie. Oh, if I took God. that off her, I oh. could either give it to Margot Robbie for I Tonya or Saoirse Ronan for Lady Bird. Saoirse Ronan. <laughs> Saoirse rhymes with inertia. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> she said that on a chat show. It really stuck in my head. Really. So uh, and so, Ronan rhymes with Ronan. <laughs> great. You see it best when you're standing up there. Don't do that. You might be upstairs. Life is a roller coaster. What if you came in and beat the shit out of me right now? That'd be amazing, That'd wouldn't be it? Wild. it really oh, I'd would. love to be beaten up It'd by Ronan Keaton. Remarkably prescient. This isn't going on live. <laughs> I know. You'd hit you in your boy zone. <laughs> <laughs> oh dearie me. Ah, uh, that's good. That's the good stuff right there. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> uh, all right. Okay. Yes. I, I admire I agree with that Francis McDormand let's take one of let's take one of them away I'm taking off billboards and giving it to, to one of the one of the younger ones probably, no, I'm, probably I'm, Margo no, I'm taking I'm, I'm leaving I'm leaving billboards I'm taking away Nomadland fair alright not fair yeah. fair Stick in not the fair fair not fair okay Renee Selweger second Oscar Renee Selweger yeah. second Oscar yeah too many if you have to give her one, another one I would have given it to her for Bridget Jones which because comedy oh. is always overlooked and that was a genuinely great performance now Judy was is a very good Harry? performance yes I, it is. See, I never I never understood the appeal of that performance at all she's when, great she's I, great I didn't think film. I didn't think she was magnificent I thought she was fine I didn't think I didn't think it was outstanding. Well, I guess the accent exactly own. right. Yeah. Hello, I'm Bridget Jones. <laughs> wow. She really makes you believe that she could afford a flat above Burr Market. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Admittedly, that is good acting. She persuaded an entire nation of people that Colin Firth was attractive. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> Yeah, she even travelled back in time and did oh. it in Pride and Prejudice. I know. Actually, oh. it's oh. impressive. Oh. Oh. Is it hot in here or is it just me? Maybe it's Ben's Ood is oozing <laughs> into my, into my nose. Ood. All right, okay. Yeah, okay. We, we've, that's so, Selweger we, sorted. But if we, took, if we took it off for Judy, I'm just saying we could give it to... Jerry Maguire. No. Is that... No? It's a supporting role. No, that's true. Olivia Coleman, we've done her for the favourite. Frances McDormand, we've already taken away one of her Oscars. Oh, no. Here we go. Emma Stone... For La La Land. Hell's Bells. Well, obviously I'm taking it off for, for La La Land. No, but I can't begrudge for La La Land. Well, tough. <laughs> I can. But if we're redistributing it, I mean, it has to be easy, eh, right? Again, if yeah. we're talking about the sorts of films that the Oscars overlook, that are just wonderful, so star-making mm. performance. She's so good. She anchors the whole film. Give it to her for easy A. But I, I don't know. I, I, I like La La Land. I, or I or just that. take it off her because she's going to get another one for Poor Things. But she's not, though. I know she's not, but she should. <laughs> I, think she, I think she might. I kind of she's hope got she does. She's got a 5, 20% chance. I know what Helen means, but there is a, there's a narrative that has built ahead of steam and I just don't think it can be derailed at this point. But I, I genuinely think she's magnificent in that. Oh, she's fantastic. Not it's nothing, it's like, nothing yeah. against her performance yeah. that I don't think she's going to win it. Absolutely not. I think on merit... She's the best performance yeah, of the year. But it's just not going to happen. But I, I don't feel like that's the way the wind's blowing. Yeah. 
Uh, so you're you're taken away from La La Land. Anyone else taken away from La La Land, or are we happy with are you happy with this? I'm happy. with Helen's stripping all of La La Land's Oscars. Yes, it's on, just in, they've all gone to Moonlight. It's a great <laughs> film. No, Where's your joy? It's a multi Oscar winning every other film. My joy is in Easy A. My joy is in like a bunch of other films that were out that same year. It's another day of sun for Helen. Natalie Portman's better than Jackie. I'm just saying. All right, Brie Larson. Brie Larson for Room. Is I mean, this one where they got it right? I mean, but, is there anything else in her career that warrants an Oscar? She was really, really good in Peter Pan in 21 Jump Street. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> that feels like a stretch. It's, I mean, it's a technicality, but we are the Oscars now. We so, make the rules. So you're saying that that really when Judy Dench won for like seven minutes of screen time for playing Queen Elizabeth I. Madness. That was more than she needed. And really what you're talking about is Brie Larson as yep. Peter Pan as in 21. When, Wendy? Because then, se- sure. no. No, who am I thinking of? Jonah Hill. Yes, yes Jonah Peter Hill. Pan. Yes. Peter Pan. So she's Wendy. She's Wendy. Right. Okay. And that... She's very charming. And and how much screen time would you say that is? Just enough. Just ben, enough. isn't that more of a Tony situation rather than an Oscar situation? But it's a, it's within a movie? I don't know. I'm spitballing here. Maybe she can win a Tony and an Oscar. Then a she's Tosca. halfway to the EGOT. She is halfway to the EGOT, as she should be anyway, just for the Marvels alone. Uh, and then just a couple of last ones, because we're getting we're going over the 10-year threshold. Uh, I'm going to go up to two... Okay, I'm going to go up to... Okay, 2010, and then I'll stop. Uh, so we have uh, Julianne Moore for Still Alice. Now, amazing actress, definitely deserves an Oscar. Was that... The kind of, the one we talked about last week where Paul Newman finally gets it for The Colour of Money. Uh, was it the one that Julianne Moore deserved it for? No, she should have got it for Assassins. <laughs> Not The Lost World Jurassic Park? Yeah, oh, Don't be ridiculous. The way she lay on that sheet of glass. <laughs> oh my God. She, she made me believe she was lying on a sheet of glass that was about to crack. If she wins, then the Lucky Pack should get Best Supporting Lucky Pack. Just saying. Yeah. All right. Okay. Julianne Moore. So we're are we taking it away from her for still Alice? I mean, is there yeah, anything like, else? I think Honestly, she can keep it, them. right? Like, oh, she can keep it. Yeah. That's not the that's not the question. Remember, she keeps it, but for a different role. We're doing oh, yeah, time. No, we're doing heist, I think she can James. keep it. I think she can keep it for still Alice. I think I think that's fair. I think okay. it's a single man. Really? Give it to her oh, for a single man. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Uh, Kate Blanchett for Blue Jasmine, one of her two Oscars. So I think Helen's right. It was a supporting role for what was it? Aviator? Aviator. Wow. So would you steal that for Tar? Would you take away yeah. from Blue Jasmine yeah. for Tar? Mm. For Tar. That means Judy Dench could have had it for Philomena, which she really should have got <laughs> or it for. Or Sandra Bullock could have had it yeah. for Gravity. I'm uh, just saying, I'm just saying, it right. clears the way. Uh, Kate Blanchett deserved it for Bandit, is what I'm saying. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence, Silver Linings Playbook. No, Winter's Bone. Is that her first Oscar or an Oscar? She only won one or two. One. One. One, okay. But she should have got something for Winter's Bone because mm. she's better in that. Okay. Uh, oh, she's very good in that film, though. She's very, very good in that film. But also, but then, we've Jessica, already said that Jessica Chastain's winning for Zero Dark Thirty. So that's she, true. She can't win for Silver Linings Playbook. She can't win. Playbook, she so can't win. She's she has gotta win. to win for Winter's Bone. She's got to win for Winter's Bone, yeah. which is what, 2010? 2009 it came out, so 2010 so it would have been the 2010 Oscars, Oscars which means Natalie Portman is not going to win for and Black Swan, so Natalie Portman now wins for... Leon. <laughs> Leon? Yes. Does that mean she's youngest Oscar winner ever? Uh, maybe his best lead actress, Tatum O'Neill, I think, won supporting. 
Oh, oh, and, and don't forget, Anna Paquin, so. my mother has a piano. That's true, she was 11, <laughs> so she might still be youngest, yeah. I think. Yeah, because right. Paul was what, like, was she, she was 13 or something when she did that. She was 37 years old. She was 37 when she played 12, yes. Yeah, uh, all right, so we've taken that away from her. All right, here's the controversial one. All right, Meryl Streep for playing Margaret <laughs> Thatcher in The Iron Lady. She wins it in 2011. Mm-hmm. Are you taking it away from Meryl yes. Streep? Obviously. Yes. <laughs> I'm taking it away from Margaret Thatcher. I'm yes. giving it to Meryl Streep for The Devil Wears Prada. Yeah, the no. lady is Mama returning. No. Mamma Mia. No. Donna no. and Mamma Mia. No. Get out. Donna Get and Mamma Mia. No. That is the end of the discussion. Absolutely not. Here we go again. She has Shut a up. literal Greek <laughs> chorus. I would allow it for Julian Julia because I think she's terrific in that. The film is not, but she is amazing. Um, but it's it's Devil Wears Prada again. It is comic films. Pro- she's so wildly good in underrated. That. She is so good in that. But does she sing at Pierce Brosnan for four solid minutes with a red shawl? On a clifftop. Yes, yes, she does. <laughs> no. Oh, really? There's she, another she one of those films. She declares florals for spring groundbreaking. Yeah. She lost to uh, she lost to the Queen, didn't she? For the Devil Queen was up for an Oscar. Yes, the Queen amazingly won it for Devil Wears Prada. One would like to thank one's people. <laughs> I do no, that to, um, is that to, to um, you mean Helen Mirren? Uh, yes, you mean I Helen mean Mirren? Mirren. Not the actual Queen. Six for yep. the Queen. That's yes. right. Okay. Uh, Okay, I think we have successfully done that. Some people retained their Oscars. Some people didn't retain their Oscars. We're going to do this one more time with directors because I enjoy doing this. This kind of time heist type thing is quite fun. Uh, So hold off on your questions for the time being, folks. We're not going to tackle any other question for another week or so. Also, before we get into it, before we get into the rest of the show, should give you a quick update on the Empire Podcast Tour that is coming in March. We are hoping to finalize dates and venues very, very soon. There's not a lot of time left. We we are very, very aware of that. Uh, but uh, we will be announcing that stuff soon. Maybe even next week. So keep them peeled and on our socials. And we're going to be doing about four or five dates scattered across March, probably one a week or so. We're going to try and be as democratic as we possibly can. We're not going to be able to do... Everywhere, because mm. I believe there's more than five towns and cities in the UK, but we shall see what and, we can And do. many of them are full of people who hate us and or have banned <laughs> us yes. for, from their door. So. Yes, there's sure. a specific no James policy in many, many cities, yeah. and we have to work around that. Almost but, uh, all of them north of the wall. Keep them peeled. All right, should we have a guest? Yes, please. All right. Who do you want? Do you want the people from Argyle, or do you want the people who aren't from Argyle? Let's have the people from Argyle. The people from Argyle. Not the aren't Giles. The aren't Giles. That is, you have chosen Henry Cavill and Sam Rockwell. Oh, that's exciting. (laughs) It does. He rocks quite well in Argyle, which is Matthew Fawn's latest film. It is out this week in cinemas. And uh, Henry Cavill stars as the title character, Agent Argyle, Agent Aubrey Argyle, to give him his full ridiculous name <laughs> and his ridiculous haircut. And he's just a great big ridiculous man mountain of a man. And he is a secret agent. I don't think it's giving too much away to to say that he is a literary character in this movie and he is not a real spy. However, Aiden, Aiden Wilde, played by Sam Rockwell in Argyle, is a real spy. And he ends up going on the run with... Bryce Dallas Howard's character, Ellie Conway, who is the creator of Aubrey Argyle. Confused? You won't be. Don't worry. It's all very, very plain and straightforward-ish. Anyway, 
Henry Cavill, who is Argyle, and Sam Rockwell, who isn't Argyle, together in a London hotel room. Enjoy. We are delighted to be joined in the Emperor Podcast by the stars of Argyle, Henry Cavill and Sam Rockwell. How are you both? Doing really well, thanks. Yeah, Doing good, yeah. Bit of a cold, but otherwise, otherwise good. Excited to be talking to you. Otherwise, excited to be talking to you, you both. I mean, this is a, this is a hell of a time. Um, Sam, we were just talking just before we pressed record that yes. we're in the middle of the Oscar season at the moment. Yeah, a couple, a couple homies got the uh, uh, Mark Ruffalo, Jeffrey Wright, uh-huh. uh, got some nom, nom, some recognition. That's great. Nice. Known those That's guys great. for a while. Are you, are you on the, uh, the text chain? You'll be texting them I'm gonna, afterwards I'm gonna, and saying- I'm going to call them up, man. I'm going to call them up. Yeah. Oscar noms plus guests. Plus guests. Group. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Henry, have you been you texting anyone congratulations over the last 24 hours or so? Or um, I, I Honestly, I have not been keeping up. I, oh, I, right. This, with this cold, I just slept last night. So okay. I, I'm not too sure who's even been nominated, to be fair. <laughs> Oppenheimer got a bunch of stuff. You can, you know, I mean, just, yeah, there you go. I suppose. Of course they did. Yeah. <laughs> Those guys. Those guys. Uh, so you guys are obviously in the movie together, but not together. Yes. I think we can talk about this a little Did bit. Did we get an nom? Did we, me, me and Henry for Argo? Yeah. They're, it's next year. You're eligible Thank for you next year. Don't get selfish. <laughs> <laughs> Even though we, we're not really eligible for this. You're the, not eligible yeah. for this year. Okay, they're, okay. they're holding you back. They're holding you back. Always being held back, man. <laughs> yeah. This is the problem. <laughs> were you on set together very often? We were. We were in rehearsal. We yeah. had to practice those fights and some yes. dancing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. But anytime I was on set, typically I was on set with Sam. Okay. Because of the nature of, without revealing too much. Well, we could talk about it a little bit. There are moments where perception changes, shall we say? Yes. And that one character perceives you in reality, Sam, and then you, Henry, as the ideal. So you have these fight scenes very early on where you're fl- where you're flitting back and forth between the two of you, and you have to do the same moves. Yeah, and pretty I think much. That was that was the fun bit of what we were doing. Sam and I, uh, we spent most of our time in rehearsal with the stunt team, watching each other fight because we were doing the same fight moves. Yeah, and so we had to be in sync with one another, but also keep our characters individual in their physical performance. And so that was a fun blend of. Of trying to copy yet not copy one another. Yeah, keep it different. It was it was a uh, it was all character based, you know, the fighting because we were, you know, one guy's smooth and one guy's kind of struggling a little bit. Yeah, yeah, one guy's a bit more realistic, like you like you wouldn't in a real fight. It's not just easy breezy. Uh, where with Argyle, it, it's easy breezy. And yeah, so, there's a there's a ramshackle nature to yeah, Aiden. Yes, yes. Shall we, shall we Co- say comedy on different ends of the spectrum? Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> and how was it on set? I mean, that, tra- that train sequence. Let's, let's focus on the train sequence for the first time because uh, I, I, yeah, I, that must have been an absolute joy slash bear to shoot as well. Because you're you're yeah, that's exactly right. It was a lot of fun and also very challenging. Uh, the stunt team is really special. And so, and they, they, they're pretty fun boys, most of them from Derby, who are really, have a good sense of humor. So we, ke- we kept it light, but it was yeah. a challenge. It was hard work. Mm. This is the sort of thing, Sam, that you have, by and large, there have been exceptions throughout your career. But by and large, this is the kind of movie that you haven't 
done. Yes. Now, have, yeah. have there been offers over the years and it's just not been the kind of thing that you wanted to do? No, I did a smaller movie uh, called uh, Mr. Right with Anna Kendrick where I did some fighting. We didn't have a lot of time though, much, not much of a budget to, re- to rehearse the fights. No guys from Darby. Yeah, talking we were, me and Tim Roth were in a rain machine beating each other up. And uh, I mean, what else is there to live for? There you go. <laughs> it's amazing how you can get cold, even though it's hot in New Orleans. But if you're wet in a rain machine, you're just cold. You're just shivering, even though it's hot outside. Those, Especially because those rain machines are pretty rough, actually. Yeah, because yeah, they are. To show up on on film, it has to be what ten times what it would normally be in in real yeah, life. It's, it's just low, but also it's it's all day long or, or a week's worth of of being under the rain machine, and you're fine for the first two takes. You're like, oh, that's yeah. quite refreshing. But then you're cold already. It and catches when that, up when that rain hits you, and it's cold, cold, cold water. Yeah, and you're already cold. It 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 is. It's like jumping into a cold, uh, like ocean, for the first time. You're still going, and they yeah. shout action. You're like, I, I can barely breathe. Hold on. <laughs> and you really don't know whether sh- should I get in a blanket, but I'm just going to have to get wet again. So what's the <laughs> point? Yeah. And it goes on for days. And uh, I, I'm sure Henry's done more of it, but it, but it just so looks so damn cool on film. Yeah, it does. You know, it does especially it, yeah. a John Wick movie. You know, as long as like, I get it right, as long as I get the depth right. Otherwise, you- it's not raining in the distance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> never looks good. And then you're like, why do they go through all of that yeah. for it's, it not to look good? Yeah. It's like New York crowds. You have sort of the foreground is a whole bunch of people busy running around. And then if you look deep enough in the background, there's a whole bunch of people standing watching what's going on. Because <laughs> they've been behind a barrier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's yeah. right. Pretty much every episode of Law and Order uh, has yeah, that yeah, yeah. <laughs> at some point. Uh, but Henry, obviously, you are an, an old hand at this kind of thing. So did you take Sam... By the hand, he gave and, me a couple of tips. Yeah. I mean, just basically, easy, old man. Don't don't <laughs> fucking break anything. Was the message uh, that I got basically like, take it easy. Well, as in, don't break bones or it's don't a, break the well, furniture. It's, it's not so much bones. It's more like hamstrings and calf tearing your calf. You know, things yeah, like that. That'll, that'll fuck I mean, it up. I was coming yeah. off a hamstring tear. I think a year before that at that stage. I remember and, that. Yeah. And I could see Sam had a, I think it was a, it was a calf, calf sort of, it was just yeah. something was, was bugging you. I have a and bunch like, of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And just like, I'm just going to keep on going. And I think the thing was, which I said was, cause he works super hard and he, he puts a hundred percent in every single time. And it was a, I know, you know, just, he does too. Like, but, but yeah. like yeah. chill, you don't need to go a hundred percent this time because if you do and you pull your calf muscle, you won't be able to go 100% for a long time. And yeah, yeah. I think that was the tip. It's, it's, yeah. it's only, and that's only because I came off a hamstring tear. Yeah. yeah and that, yeah. that took me out of the business for a little bit. So. Yeah. That's, 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 that's a tough one. Yeah. That's a tough one. Uh, I've got bad knees. Oh, yeah. So I don't think I could do any of yeah, this yeah, action yeah. hero. Yeah. yeah. You never know. Bad you never knees. know. I'd be cool. sitting down. I'd just be. <laughs> <laughs> That's a just, good idea. Yeah. Good, yeah. Hey, well, hey, now <laughs> you're onto something. Yeah, unless we hang out with those guys from Derby again, in which case, it'd be like, I'll make it the hardest fight possible while sitting down. There you go. Yeah. Our they would do too. that. Yeah, Matthew's around here somewhere. I'm sure we can we can get that rolling. Yeah. Um, but Sam, you mentioned you mentioned dancing, and yes. not to turn dancing into a thing, even though it kind of already has become a thing in your career. But there is, yeah, a little I mean, bit. You were in an episode of What If recently, and I don't know if you've seen this episode yet, but 
Justin Hammer dances in that episode. So even in animated form, you can't oh, stop dancing. Oh, is that dancing. right? I didn't, yeah, no, I yeah, haven't yeah. seen that. He, uh, it's uh, they, really fun. Oh, that's, oh, it's an animated what if oh, yeah, on Disney. It's okay. such a fun one. Yeah, okay. you, should, you should check it out. I'll check it out. Uh, but uh, huh. so, so when dancing comes up. my permission for that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, hold on a second. That's some sort of, come on, Marvel. Let's get it together. Yeah. Come on, Marvel. <laughs> like I sort you out. I'm I've sure. always been slightly confused about that. I'm like, hold on a second. <laughs> yeah. Like. Burger King? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where's like, the burger? We're like, in the proceeds. I don't even that? get free Burger King anymore. Like, <laughs> <laughs> none of the, none yeah, of the sure that looks <laughs> like me. <laughs> yeah. All that sweet, sweet licensing yeah, cash doesn't come down a to a very small line in the contract somewhere. <laughs> which my eyes glazed up over. Fine print. <laughs> yeah. You got to watch what you're signing, guys. You got to watch what you're signing. So, uh, so trust me, Sam. You are in that episode, and okay. you do dance in that, and you dance. Both of you dance. Yes. In this, yes, we do. So it was woven into the fabric of the film. <laughs> yes, before, we do. Before, um, very much. You so. signed on, but at the same time, Matthew told me that a little bit of it was you going. I'm, I'm dancing. Well, you know, I always get her name wrong. The lovely Kylie Man- Minogue. Minogue. Thank yeah. you. Okay. Uh, Minogue, who's, who's an amazing <laughs> dancer. Her her head choreographer Ash. Did the um, did the uh, choreography and his assistant partner Jenny? They did they did all and they very patient with Henry and I. We had to do a tap dance that was cut from the film where we were tap dancing and crushing heads in a Gene Kelly manner <laughs> and uh, cut maybe for good reason, but maybe not. I think maybe it should have been in the movie. I mean, I, I think it was cool. I but, think it was but, really but cool. But also, I I mean, when you learn a tap routine, you're like, this is pretty tough. Yeah. yeah. But then when you learn a tap routine and you have to stamp on skulls as well it makes the tap routine slightly different i mean i think like someone like gene kelly probably could have pulled yeah, it off gene made kelly, it look cool, ash but... could have pulled it off <laughs> yeah ash did a great job and jenny did but but anyway we, we 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 had some tight hip flexors after that me and henry yeah, yeah. lots of very but the whirly bird muscles. did you see the him do the whirly bird holy oh shit my god the whirly bird holy crap for folks who haven't seen the film yet uh although i strongly urge you to listen to this stop listening to this and then come back and listen to this but from that point on, uh, Listen to it five how, times. how would you describe the whirly bird? How would you describe what happens? It's a lot of spinning. Um, it's yes, a lot of spinning. Um, there's there's a lot of height for one partner <laughs> of the dance. Um, there, it's it's a high risk maneuver, but high risk, big reward. I reckon. One one of the one of the dance partners is hoisted, hoisted up to yes. face level, and then spun around. Yes, and they have to hold a very tricky position to hold to have. Yeah. To be in a seated position with your legs basically straight out uh, and held straight in front of you while your back is still upright. It's a bit like sitting on the floor. And do you remember doing teddy bear rolls in gym class when you were you, like six? I had bad knees even then, so probably right. not. <laughs> well, it's, it's like that position, but you're not on the floor. Right? And yes, so yes, yes. Very difficult yeah. to do. And, yeah. Uh, Dua was the one um, who was tasked with that, and uh, Dua Lipa, that is. Yes. And uh, <laughs> yeah. she, yeah, oh, not, not just, the other Dua that just, you know. Yes, Dua um, Minogue. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and she did a marvelous job. And it, it's, she had the hard bit. All I had to do was lift her and spin around, and she had to hold Yeah, that's position. easy. And trust yeah. me. You don't want to drop Dua Lipa. No. You don't want to do that. No, no. <laughs> that would be bad. That would be bad. Was that the first time you met her? Like, hello, how are you? And then hoist. Uh, we, had, we had met in rehearsals. Okay. Beforehand, okay. yes. And right. she's she's industrious. She works very hard. She's uh, always on time, and she did an amazing job in the movie. I was really impressed. Yeah, she's fantastic. And uh, Sam, yes, you, you were also. Uh, I'm I'm not going to give away spoilers. Okay, sure not. But I think <laughs> okay. I think we can say that you are both the hoister and the hoistee. 
Yes, that is that is right. We 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 had a little help, but yes, we did it. Did it? <laughs> what an we elegant way of getting around spoilers. <laughs> it's yeah. it's tricky, just... but there's a great scene. Yeah, that involves being hoisted. Yes. Yeah. How was that for you? Who was it? Was doing, it was who amazing. Was doing the huh? Who was doing the the actual hoisting? Were you on a well? A we thing? had some. We had some help. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, but it, yeah. that's a very stylized uh, fight dance. Yes. Um, incredibly stylized. So it's uh. It's balletic and and very and I still the it kept changing, as it does as it does and I and so I, it's beyond my uh, my pay grade that whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a hell of a thing. But I got hit with my own machine gun, which says something about my co- co- coordination. You haven't lived until you've been hit with your own machine gun. <laughs> I mean, at least and it wasn't it someone else. Let me tell you, someone else's is way worse. <laughs> yeah, it's far more terrifying. And he's like, I can remember when I first hit myself with my own machine gun. It yeah. was, kid, it was... I remember. When. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. Oh yeah, kid. Trust me, it'll happen again. <laughs> I wanted to ask you both about this film. Posits a scenario where Sam, your character Aiden, finds himself face to face with a famous author. On yeah. the train, and then obviously, you know, Aiden and Ellie go on this this incredible adventure together throughout the, the movie. If you could go on an adventure with an author, who would it be, and why? Who would be that author on the train for you both? Uh, Kurt Vonnegut, probably Charles Bukowski. Oh, very good. Okay, so you're going you're going dead author. Maybe Hunter like Thompson. That. I think Hunter Thompson Easier might win. To carry them around. Yeah. I'm guessing for one yeah, thing. Hunter but Thompson but, might win. Okay, I think I want to hang out with that dude. That would be a fun one. And you'd yeah. be guaranteed no one else is going to sit at your table if they're a dead author. <laughs> Good point. All yeah. right, Henry. <laughs> Jesus. Smart so, uh, guy. Smart guy. I know. You have to think about someone who's alive. Uh, just, okay, just for, someone just who's for a alive. Second. Just yeah. for once. Just for <laughs> once. <laughs> He's so morbid. Uh, <laughs> it's like dead people, dead people, dead people. Uh, while, uh, while Sam is trolling. Like, there's no one good people, left Henry. alive. Everyone's dead. <laughs> um, well... Let, I'm going to have to think. I'll get back you to you. You think, you think, and uh, yeah. and, and Cavill here will we'll take okay. over. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, avoiding dead people. Uh, <laughs> Henry, you can you can have a dead person. I it's would totally say, fine. Okay, um, I, I will pick two. One alive, one dead. Um, Aaron Dembski-Bowden, um, oh. who's a, a friend of mine and also an that's incredible just, that's writer. That's just a regular trip then, isn't uh, it? I mean, it, it, it <laughs> but he's also an incredible writer. Okay. And right. so it's there's a... Um, a double benefit to that one. Uh, he's, I absolutely love his stuff. In, in the Warhammer universe, he, he's hes extraordinary. And as far as dead people go, uh, David Gemmell would be another one. Um, what did he write? He wrote, he's basically the king of fantasy. Okay. Um, oh, nice. Him. Uh, Trust the Legend was one of his first major characters. Wow. And one of my favorite stories from uh, one of the introductions to the book was... As a young boy, he used to have terrible nightmares about vampires. And one one night, he was having this horrible um, dream about nightmare about a vampire. And he woke up in a sweat and big noise. And his stepfather walked into the room, and uh, he said immediately to his stepdad, "Did you see a Did you see a vampire in the hallway?" And he went, "Yeah, broke his neck. No vampires in this house." <laughs> and he never had a nightmare about vampires again. And that's who he based this character Druss off. Oh wow! And wow, wow. It's Druss is an incredible character, sort of the wow. archetypal hero. Um, and just to have that story before you read wow, the book was that's great. quite wonderful. So David, I mean, he's uh, he's an extra- was an extraordinary writer, um, and his wow. work still stands the test today. 
That's amazing. I That's very cool. He wouldn't have got a word in edgeways, to be honest. But, but, <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Sam, have no you, vampires, though. <laughs> no vampires. No vampires. Not in this train. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> great. that's a great story. We'd have to be invited, of course. You know, yeah. Does a vampire have to be invited to get on a train? Anyway, I think it's just a house. Unless you're yeah. on the train. Yeah. I don't know about a podcast, but in the house, yeah. yeah. If a vampire is invited onto a podcast, they can come back anytime they want. I don't really You want don't that. want that. Yeah, I don't want that to happen. Um, Sam, we're being, we're being wrapped up. So All right. Who, who, which living author would you? Oh, you know, I'm illiterate, so I forgot to mention that. I haven't read a book in hmm. I don't know how long. No, uh, Audiobook. Uh, audiobook. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, gosh, you know, I did, uh, you know... Everybody's dead in my brain. I'm Arthur C. Clarke, Richard Pryor. Um, I can't think of These anybody alive. I mean, Stephen King's alive. Stephen King's pretty. Yeah, that's pretty good. I'm going to go with Stephen. I would accept Stephen King. Stephen King would also be my answer. So, yeah. So there we go. All right. On a train, Stephen King, Sam Rockwell. This is a series. Right on. We're going to make it happen. We're going to make Fucking it happen. A. Absolutely. Oh, Sam yeah. Rockwell, Henry Cavill. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, guys. Likewise. Thank you so Thank you. much. Thank you. Cheers. Oh, yeah. Okay, that was Henry Cavill and Sam Rockwell. We will be reviewing Argyle later on in the show. First up, it is time to discuss this week's movie news. Has there been any? Yeah, well, so I have a piece of news. Several pieces of news in one, in fact. The first piece of news I will give you is that uh, Duncan Jones's 2008 movie, Road Trooper, has finished shooting. The second piece of news I will give you is that Duncan Jones' 2008 spin-off movie, Road Trooper, has started shooting. Uh, and the third piece of news I will give you is that Hayley Atwell's in it, which is interesting. Uh, and, and all of this news seems to have dropped at once, that this film is a go, that this film has cast, and this film has finished shooting. So it was, so what, it was a lot. What you're trying to say is they filmed it without anyone knowing. It's what I'm saying, okay. yes. <laughs> okay. It filmed in secret. It took the long way around there, but it was good. Uh, yeah, it's animated by all accounts. Yeah. Uh, so their voice roles, which is presumably why it didn't take so long. But um, I think there's a performance capture Yeah, I think it's, it's like a yeah. low-budget avatar is what and I'm understanding. Jack Loudon's in it as well. Yeah. Um, and Iron and Bernard. Indeed, who's playing the, the Rogue, Rogue Trooper. Trooper the uh, for anyone who doesn't know what Rogue Trooper is, what is Rogue Trooper? So, Rogue, so I used to I used to love 2008 when I was a when I was a kid. But Rogue Trooper is it's uh he's a he's a sort of veteran veteran soldier and he wanders around with the kind of consciousnesses, consciousnesses of some of his fallen colleagues. One of them in his rifle, one of them in his helmet, and one of them in his steady, and one of them in his backpack. <laughs> That's uh, a different type of film. <laughs> yeah. Uh and so he chats with his dead friends while, you know, being a rogue trooper. He is a genetic infantryman, isn't he? He is. Yeah. Mm. The sole survivor of an invasion force on New Earth in a war between the Norts and the Souther. And he's, is he blue? He's blue, no yeah. He's he, blue. He blew himself. I'll be honest, I read all of that off the internet. So. <laughs> he, he it didn't sound like it though, Helen. It sounded like you had drenched it up from your, from your memory. I'm a yeah. huge, huge uh, 2000 AD. Yeah, uh, Helen's, Helen's <laughs> all about bad company in the ABC Warriors. She also likes Chopper. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> The thing that really intrigues me, right, is, as you say, this is an animated film made yep. in Unreal Engine 5. That, that, that's not largely interesting what is to that? me. What is that to people who it's don't know? It's the current like iteration yep. of the, the gaming engine, engine mm. Unreal, which when they, they debuted Unreal Engine 5 with the Matrix this thing. stuff, yeah, yeah, all to do with Keanu and the Matrix, and it was like, wow, this yeah. is like breathtakingly lifelike. It, it was like freaky. being in... The Matrix Reloaded, except it wasn't because it looked really good. <laughs> it feels like the the big, big, big step up of what uh, Robert Zemeckis yeah. was trying to do. They've, oh God, with his Beowulf and Christmas Carol and all of that nonsense. They've been trying to get a full Unreal Engine 5 film off the ground for a while. It's been extensively used in VFX. 
but mostly it's been tweaked and zhuzhed and, and everything else on, with sort of traditional VFX methods on top of the Unreal Engine stuff. And basically the big push over the last few years has been getting to kind of this level where you can just have an Unreal Engine movie. So so is it essentially then like a low-budget avatar so Duncan Jones I mean, will yeah. be able to shoot this so. yeah, with these with, guys? Yeah, with the caveat that less than an avatar does not mean low-budget. Do you know what I mean? A smaller yes. budget than Avatar is not the same as low budget. So I, I don't want to give people that. We don't. We don't want to give people the impression that we're saying that. Um, True, but this is a low, very low. But this is a British independent yes, movie. So, yes, it is. Yeah. But but I mean, I don't know. I mean, we don't know. Obviously, I don't know if if, for example, Unreal Engine has been helping out with the production just as a sort of proof of concept thing. I don't. I, we have no information on that kind of stuff. But um, but yeah, I'm 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 intrigued to see how that side of things works in the end. I think we probably have seen, in fact, I'm, I'm told we have seen finished images on screen that entirely come from Unreal Engine, but mostly they've been judged and tweaked and so on. They've been using it for sort of previs and concepting and stuff like that, I believe, and it's been sort of building up. Um, so I think this is a bit of a step forward. Mm. I haven't been keeping up entirely, but I think that's the case. What it does mean is that you have this incredible sprawling supporting cast because they've shot this thing already. You have this incredible cast of all these kind of British favourites and I'm going to really need to see the behind-the-scenes footage of Diane Morgan, a.k.a. Philomena Kunk, <laughs> in full mocap gear. I need to see Alice Lowe in mocap gear. That like This, this is the people that they've kind of gathered for this. Reese Shearsmith, Daryl McCormack from uh, yep. Leo Grande. Yep. Matt Jermaine Barry. Clement, Matt Berry, mm -hmm. Matt Berry in a mocap suit, Sean hopefully bon. doing a fun voice. Sean Bond's in there. Were we talking about fun voices? Sorry, uh, yes. Scene Bean, Scene Bean, <laughs> Asa Butterfield. Everyone's in it. Good, good people. Everyone's in the same suit. Uh, oh, God, we're like a human centipede type situation, or no. they all all shared like passed the same one around. Oh my God. I hope they washed it out beforehand, or at least had the the good grace to put on some oud beforehand. <laughs> uh, this is exciting news. It's ex I, I'm I'm excited mm. about this. Me too. I, I must confess, I was. Uh, this might surprise some people actually, but I was less of a 2008 really? head. Yeah. What? I, I I dabbled. I read. I but I was I was drawn to dread, but not really. I, like dread. I wasn't really into slain or strontium dog or Johnny Alpha rogue ruled. trooper or any of those other ones yeah rogue trooper yeah. was one I, I liked uh, like nemesis to warlock was fucking insane uh some of that some of that 2080 stuff is 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 pretty out there yeah yeah it's I, good I, stuff though i respect it i respect its place in the firmament it's absolutely mm. an iconic and pivotal comic but yeah i just maybe i need to revisit all this stuff perhaps you do perhaps yeah. you do um let's should we move on to we should. to to something more super Specifically, Supergirl, because the DCU has their Supergirl, and it's Millie fucking Alcock, and that is very, very exciting. So is that her official full that name? That is her actual full name. She is Australian. Uh, so, uh, Millie fucking Alcock. Um, G'day, mate. Who is? Who, who is Rhaenyra Targaryen from House of the Dragon. And also, and I'm not going to say the best thing about House of the Dragon, because that really feels a bit harsh, uh, but she's really, really good and she's not in it enough. So she plays Rhaenyra before the time jump in House of the Dragon. And up until that point, she is head and shoulders the best thing in the show. Get and out, while, you know, her, her success is very, very good, like you do miss her a lot when she's not in it anymore. I thought she was she was magnificent. She's also really good in, in Upright with Tim Minchin, mm -hmm. uh, which is an Australian uh, comedy series. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, she's great. So very excited to see her don the cape. And it does mean that she's kind of bypassed the issue that all the other Game of Thrones cast members had where they suddenly became huge deals, but they were 
tied into Game of Thrones yeah. for years and, and years. She's and years. Not. She's mm. spoken about the fact that she had to get her head around, you know, being a major part of the House of the Dragon cast, knowing that halfway through the season she was completely done. Mm. Um, but it's great because that was obviously a really good launch pad for her, and now she can get a big, ongoing, yep. juicy role like Supergirl and be totally free to do something like that. Yeah. So she's Supergirl in what? So she's going to appear in Superman Legacy and then okay. we'll get her own film, we're told, Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow, Ooh. which is exciting. So Anna Nogueira is aboard to uh, adapt the comic. They're, they don't have a director yet. Who knows, basically. But this is apparently, Gunn said, a very different type of Supergirl. We see the difference between Superman, who was sent to Earth and raised by loving parents, from from the time he was an infant, versus Supergirl, who was raised on a rock chip-off of, Cry of Krypton, and watched everyone around her die and be killed in horrible ways for the first 14 years. Oh, wow. That's nice. It's surprising she didn't get full bright burn. It is apparently much more hardcore. She's not exactly the Supergirl we're used to seeing, Ooh. which is good in terms of, you know, let's by all means avoid comparison to the 1984 film. Mm -hmm. But also, I mean, again, I, I kind of want my super people to be super people. So I, I hope she is actually also... Super. Super in Super. the sense of personality-wise yeah. yeah, yeah. and not just powers. Super nice. Yeah. Is this not a little bit presumptuous again? I thought that they were going to try and avoid these... Announcements. Uh, announcements, yeah. Like going, you, hey, trust me, you're going to love... She's going to be in this movie for three minutes, but you're going to love her. And we're, we've already commissioned a movie, despite the fact we don't know whether anyone's actually going to connect <laughs> to that character. I mean, we, we've got to hope for the best, I yeah. guess. The sin of pride. Hope for the it's, best, prepare for the worst. Jack Reacher says that. It's the sin of, I mean, he's he's obviously the only person who has ever said that. He's the but, only person who's ever said that. But I, I do feel, I do feel like maybe getting announcements aimed at stockholders out of the picture would be great for filmmaking, you know? Yes. I, I don't wish to sound demanding or entitled, but maybe just don't tell maybe us Maybe we should just get stockholders out of the picture, just like, you know, just like... Hey. Sounds like a job for Supergirl. I don't know. We've seeds means to production ourselves. I don't know. Is that is that a crazy <laughs> idea? <Is> that, <laughs> it'll never throw, catch on. Just going to throw it out there. Literally, it'll never catch on. <laughs> okay. um, Anything else? Chris Rock is remaking another round and is going to direct it. That was the Mads Mikkelsen film about um, oh. them all trying to maintain a level of drunkenness. That's right, remember? yeah. Uh, 2021, it won Best International Film at the Oscars. That's, that's, that, what, what the fuck? That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of skepticism of like, why are you doing this? I know it's in Danish, but, you know, the the one inch barrier of subtitles is, is so very, very low. It's Mads Mikkelsen. Everybody loves Mads Mikkelsen. They do. I, I, I would think I would be more excited about Chris Rock, filmmaker if Spiral from the Book of Saw not happened. <laughs> oh because I was really intrigued for that. I was like, this is crazy. We're getting a Saw movie from Chris Rock and he's come up with the idea and he must have an incredible take on it. And it turned out he did not. Well, I, I mean, it was I, fine. I don't think it was... It was I, I thought that we could pin that on him ultimately yeah. because when it was first announced, it was like, he's going to write it. And then he didn't write it. Mm. Mm. Okay, you so, know, yeah, so maybe not, we haven't seen what he truly has to offer as a filmmaker. No, we have many times. I mean, Top Five is a really good film. Mm. I mean, he's a, he's a, an accomplished writer and director, and you know he's really broadening his his reach as an actor of late. So you know, you know what? I'm just going to say the same thing I always say when it comes to remake. The original still exists. So I say, have at it. Go on, knock yeah. yourself out. Go for it because you never know. I'd really respect it if he called it another another round, <laughs> another round, that another another round. Paul Greengrass is making The Lost Bus. 
having done United 93 and conquered planes, he's now uh, on to buses. Uh, and Matthew McConaughey is apparently in talks to star. This is this is actually a, a maybe a better so, better story than it sounds like. So it's it's about a deadly 2018 fire in California where a bus driver and a teacher had to guide a bunch of students to safety in a school bus through a raging forest fire. It should be called Hail to the Bus Driver. <laughs> Just saying. It's right there. What's, what's that a reference to? Hail to the bus driver, bus driver, bus driver. Hail to the bus driver, bus driver, man or woman. But that I, I know that mostly from the 90s. Oh. It was assumed that every person was initially a man unless. Yeah. Sure. Okay, interesting. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I have learned something. The, the, There's a I song. Mean, that existed outside of Nottinghamshire uh, in the 1990s, yeah, I, right? I, I knew what you were going for. Really? Yes. Okay. All right. Anyway, that might be an English thing. Maybe. Um, I, I have Star Trek news. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. Oh, God, isn't okay. exciting? Yeah. So this is Amari Hardwick and Sam Richardson who have joined the Star Trek colon Section 31 film, which is Michelle Yeoh's spin-off movie. Now, this started what, what? life as a TV series based on her character, Philippa Giorgio, except it's not Philippa Giorgio, is it? It's the it's Empress, because she's from the dark mirror universe world. So it's not actually Philippa Giorgio, who, of course, died. But this is a Star Trek Discovery spin-off property that was going to be on TV. It's now going to be in the cinema. She, obviously, is brilliant and everything, but she is fucking magnificent. She is so great in this. As the Empress, because so she's... So you can imagine, yeah. she's basically from the mirror universe where everyone mm, is evil. Everyone's and evil. most people have goatees, but she doesn't yes. have a goatee because that would be weird. But she okay. is evil. And even Michelle Yeoh would struggle, I think, to carry mm, off a goatee. Although no, I wouldn't rule it. it out for her. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, she basically was the emperor of this evil universe. So she okay. was like the most evil, the super evilist. But... She swap places and everyone thinks she's a Star Trek captain. So she has to be like super good and stuff on the outside. But also also, there's a kind of redemption thing going on. And also Mm. she works for Section 31, which is like Star Trek's shady side. So there's this whole levels Mm. of like good and bad, like warring within her. Um, She's like Stitch. In Stitch Ooh, has a okay, glitch. Okay, now you've got me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so yeah it, it's very exciting. She has barely concealed contempt for, you know, everything. everyone. Yeah. Is this why James likes it so yes. much? Yes, I identify with her. Was this always happening or did Michelle Yeoh win the Oscar for Everything Everywhere All at Once and Star Trek went... We have a Michelle Yeoh. We should do a Michelle Yeoh. <laughs> well, I mean, the other it's thing is they've got the a lot of yeah, they've got a lot of TV on the go at the moment, yep. and they don't have the movies. So maybe this is an interesting way to kind of experiment with Star Trek movies again. Yeah. It's been too long since we've had Star Trek in the cinema. Like Star Trek is having a, a proper moment at the moment on TV. Mm. You know, admittedly, Discovery went off the boil, but Strangely Worlds is magnificent. So good. Is Discovery and, still going? Uh, it is still going. We've got another season to come. In fact, it's coming this year. Is this the final season? Uh, or I believe it's the final one, yeah. But the, Disco's last dance. Yeah, very good. The last days of Disco, in fact. Uh, hey. But it's the, the the previous season was so fucking boring. Uh, but but Strange New Worlds Strange makes up for all things because it's just, it's a masterpiece. Strange New Worlds has had a musical episode and a crossover with the animated Lower Deck series, right? which, by the way, is mm. also terrific, even though James doesn't watch it. Um, <laughs> and it had a really effective horror episode. It's just, it's got, it's got sort of like comedy of manners episodes. It has a very elastic uh, tone, but it's, 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 it's wonderful. It's so clever. It's but just yeah. wonderful. On the big screen, yeah, it's been too long since Star Trek Beyond was 2016, yeah. I think. I think basically wow. the, the, they, they futzed around with the Tarantino idea, which has now gone the mm-hmm. way of, of all things. Uh, they were, they were talking about the um, Chris Hemsworth, uh, you know, prequel. I love that uh, he, idea. He survived. Idea. Just yeah, the, the problem was, was they announced idea. it before 
before negotiating with Hemsworth yes, to see if they could afford him. And the answer was a, a resounding, no, you cannot. That was where uh, Chris Pine's Kirk would have met his dad, played by oh. Chris Hemsworth, or some time travel shenanigans. Presumably but whales the, the, were involved. The problem with that is like, again, it's like, and I don't object to it too much, but we've got the Kelvin timeline, but now we have to have another splintered timeline. How many splintered timelines can we have? Splinter, now we're bringing turtles into it now, are we? <laughs> right. Would watch. Now I like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, so I think they kind of lost a lot of time on those. And meanwhile, you know, the Kelvin crew are extremely in demand. They are extremely busy. Mm. Obviously, we, we say sadly, Kelvin is hot right now. <laughs> hey, uh, I would say we, you know, we we tragically lost Anton Yelchin. I mean, yeah. and then you, so that you have a hole. You literally have a hole in the heart of the crew. And do you try to recast that role? No, no, you don't. So then you're you're missing one of the one of the keys. Yeah, I mean it's tricky. So but anyway. I would like to see that crew come back because I, lo- I love yeah. those films. Even Into Darkness, I've got. I know it's not a great film, but I, I have I have time for it. <sighs> it strikes me. Uh, but thinking about this a lot recently, that we there are probably now enough Star Trek TV shows to do a ranking. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah I mean, saying, you there know, are loads. Yeah. So there's what the original series. They got the original next series, gen. The animated series, animated series, next gen, next Deep Space Nine, Deep Voyager, Voyager, Enterprise. Yeah. Uh, obviously, in, in the modern era, we've got Discovery, we've got Lower Decks, we've got Strange Strangely New Worlds, Worlds, and we've got Prodigy. We've got Prodigy. That's ten. Uh, I'm 47. I'd count it, but yes. <laughs> yeah. Have I missed anything out? Uh, no, I think it's entirely you possible. Said Deep Space Nine and Voyager, right? Think, I feel yeah, like we're I missing one, but I don't I've know what it is. Missed something. Anyway, else. Starfleet Academy. Is that something? No, I just made that up. No, I think that, that was up. that was okay. talked about. That was yeah, talked about as a point, okay. but I don't believe it got yeah, made. As I think. Such. I think that's exciting. It. Uh, obviously, it's Deep Space Nine's number one. Yes, and then everything else is number <laughs> Indeed, two. Everything else is number all two. Right. No need for a ranking. We just did it. Yeah. All right. Anything else? A couple of trailers people might want to watch. The Tarot trailer has scary tarot cards. Um, so there Terrifying. you go. That will really scare your auntie who does tarot. Later um, this year, we also have a film called Horrorscope, but with like an R of like horror, <laughs> like horror, horoscopes. And the tarot movie beat them to it. Damn it. Wow. I mean, they're separate things. I mean, yeah, it, it looks very much along the lines of last year's Talk to me. Talk to me. You know, so they should have uh, seen that coming. Should have really. Yeah. Uh, Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare. Has New guy a Ritchie. Trailer. New Greg Ritchie uh, yeah. with um, Henry Cavill standing next to Jack Reacher. Picard. Yes. We forgot Picard. Picard. I, Picard. I can't believe we got Picard. Picard. Oh my Picard. god! I hang my head in shame. Anyway, my point <laughs> was by putting Henry Cavill next to actual Reacher, or as he likes to be known, Alan Richson. Yes. They almost make Henry Cavill look normal sized. It's amazing. Anyway, it's like uh, a Russian doll. <laughs> and they also have the trailer this week for Immaculate, which is Sydney Sweeney in a sort of cross between The Nun and mm-hmm. Rosemary's Baby. Uh, just proving once again that Catholicism is the scariest religion. Yeah. Sorry, everybody else. There are a lot uh, of nuns uh, in the bar. We've been saying that for a long time, in fairness. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you were ahead of the curve, Chris. <laughs> you, and, much, you and your people. Very much ahead of the curve. Uh, and Ghostbusters Frozen Empire, there was a new trailer for that this week. It shed a little bit more light on the plot. Mm. We got to see... William Atherton returning as Walter Peck. We got to see Janine in her Ghostbusters costume. Oh, glorious. A bit more Bill Murray as, as Fankman. A bit more of the plot. I'm very excited for Frozen Empire. We have breaking news as we record this podcast. What? Along the spooky, fun side of things. What? They have just released the first poster what? for Beetlejuice 2. No. Which seems to announce no. that the genius title of Beetlejuice 2 is Beetlejuice Beetlejuice. <gasps> How good is that? Oh, no. Oh, no. I like it. I Wait, like what it. did you say it was? Beetlejuice Beetlejuice. Oh, no. 
What did you say it was, Ben? I'm not saying it. <laughs> Candyman. Candyman. No, no, no. no. I, okay, I can fuck with Beetlejuice, but I do not fuck with Candyman. That is... <laughs> I mean... That's because the hook would be... Yeah. Oh, you don't no. want to... And all the bees. No. Ugh. No, thank you. Uh, where's this poster? I haven't seen this poster. It's just here we go. It's all over the Twitters. Show it to me. It's very much a teaser poster. It's very much a teaser poster. It's, it's extremely a teaser poster. And it, so it's either I... On, I am teased. And I don't know if it's American or British, so I don't know if it's I on September 6th. <laughs> or the 9th of June. <laughs> I can't tell. It's out this year, though, so that's exciting. There that's we go. exciting. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Anyway, um, yeah, cool. Ooh. Yay. Very. And obviously, if people want to know more about Ghostbusters Frozen Empire, they can pick up the current issue of Empire on I mean, they should. They should. Which is not frozen, but it does glow in the dark. It does glow in the dark. Yes, indeed. Uh, so check that out. That's very, very exciting indeed. Well done, everybody. Well done, everybody, indeed. Oh, and there's one last thing. This new film has been announced just before we started recording called Deep Cover. It's a British comedy. It's it's, uh, written by Colin Trefaro and his writing partner, Derek Connolly. And it's about three improv actors who uh, are hired by the police to help stage low-level stings. And yes, I am reading from the press release. And then because they always have to say yes because they're improv (laughs) actors, uh, they end up inside the London criminal underworld. And it's going yes, to start. And? Yes, and and it's going to star Bryce Dallas Howard. Yes, and or, Orlando Bloom. Yes, and Seen Bean. Yes, and Nick Mohammed. Yes, and Ian McShane. I'm bored now. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Paddy Constein, Sonoya Mitsunu, and uh, and the Pin, the comedy duo, the Pin, Ben Ashington and Alexander Owen, who are very, very, very funny indeed, are also going to be working on the script. It seems mm. to say here, yes. uh, and it's going to be directed by Tom Kingsley, who directs Staff Let's Flats. So yeah, it's okay. filming right now, right now. So that's exciting. That's well pretty done, exciting. Everybody. It sounds a little yeah. bit similar to Hitman, which is coming this year in its setup, but I'm sure it'll be very different in its execution. Mm-hmm. Um, we also got a first look today at Carry On, which is not you'll be sad to know or glad to know a Carry On film mm-hmm. in the in the franchise sense. It's about, <laughs> it's about I think, Taron Edgerton playing a TSA agent who must battle a mysterious passenger trying to sneak a dangerous package onto a flight on Christmas Eve. <laughs> it's just skis. If the it Wesley Snipes. The passenger Snipe. appears to be played by Jason Bateman. I don't know what's in the package. It might be Wesley Snipes, although I doubt <laughs> he would fit in a carry-on suitcase. And do you have to pay more for it? <laughs> I guess it depends on the airline. Do you think they leave the airport? I Oh, how does that? How does that make a movie? Like, how does, don't put that on the plane. All right, you can't take that on board. Okay, movie over. There you go. And take your shoes. I mean, maybe they take his shoes off. I don't know. Run through the airport barefoot, like die hard. Why yeah, is it? Maybe. Why is it at Christmas? I don't know. We're excited about it. We are. We are excited about it. Every day is Christmas. Eve. Every day. I mean, we like both those actors. We like Just, both those actors. Yes. I, I, I'm okay. It's exciting. Uh. Uh-huh. All right. Okay. Well, that's it then for the movie news section. And time now for our final guest this week. It's Kamel Nanjiani. Do you want the Kamel Nanjiani? Do you want Kamel Nanjiani yeah. or Kamel Nanjiani? Yay. Let's go for it. Uh, Kamel Nanjiani, who is, of course, the star of this week's Migration, which is the latest film from Illumination. Uh, but this isn't quite as sane as some of the previous Illumination movies. This one's a bit more heartfelt, a little bit darker, actually, a little bit more adult, even though it's aimed at kids. And it's about a family of ducks led by Kamel Nanjiani, who reluctantly migrate and they leave their safe haven behind and they go to the big city and they get caught up in all kinds of shenanigans. And I spoke to Kamel Nanjiani about this movie. Ooh, let me see. 
late last year. I can't remember exactly when it was. It was sometime in December. And as ever, I had a great time talking to him. He's always welcome back on the Emperor Podcast, which I'm sure will delight him no end. Here we are, Kamel Nanjiani. Do please enjoy. Hey, Kamel, how's it going? I'm good. How are you, Chris? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Long time no see. It has been a while. How long has it been? Maybe It's been about two years. I think the last time we were on this podcast was with Salma for Eternals. Oh, yeah. Which was yeah. 20 minutes of sheer chaos that I will never forget. <laughs> it was glorious. Yeah. I mean, I was paired with her for a lot of that, so I had a few days of chaos. Were you Delightful basically just chaos. trying to cling on to her coattails? She I, I mean, I did talk shows with her. I was like, you just do whatever you want to do, and I'll chime in every now and then. It was great. <laughs> It was a hell of a thing, hell of a thing. Um, so let's just get straight in. How's, how's your year been? Because this has been such a strange year. This podcast is going out in February when the film's coming out in the UK, but obviously it's been recorded at the end of 2023. And it's been a year as an actor and as a writer that has been very much truncated and interrupted for you. I mean, how has that been for you from a, a creative standpoint? I mean, it's been obviously very frustrating. Um, I was lucky in that I was working right up until the strike. So, you know, I didn't have, I, I had as much of a gap as anybody else. I didn't have a longer gap. Um, yeah, it was just really frustrating because there was a long period where nobody was talking to anybody. So there was truly no hope of it ending. And I don't do well if I don't know sort of my future plans, like, uh, you know, I've talked to my therapist and my wife about that a lot. <laughs> and so this was like uniquely challenging for me. I'm, I'm, it was challenging for everyone. Um, So, yeah, it just sort of, you know, it, it and it brought into sort of um, into focus how there are really very different agendas for what we do, you know? So I always approach it, obviously, as, you know, um, making something and expressing myself and, and all that. But you realize that it is ultimately a business. And obviously, you know that. But but that, you know, just people have completely different goals, you know? One side wants to uh, express their soul and bear their hearts. And the other side... And and you have to work with the people who want to be able to make money off of that. I mean, that's always been the nature of it. But but I really thought about that a lot during the strike, where it really are you know strange bedfellows. It's interesting. We're we're now in an industry where films are being written off for tax purposes, and it just feels weird and a violation of creativity and just awful. I just saw someone, I met someone a couple of days ago who had a movie, one of those really high profile ones that, you know, that that happened to. And I was like, that must be so difficult. I cannot imagine if something I'd done that I'd poured myself into had disappeared. However, there were a couple I've done that w would have been great if that had happened to them. <laughs> I have a couple, you know, tax write-offs in my past. <laughs> if you want to go and apply some scrutiny to the old, the old CV, the old resume, we can we can write off a couple. But why would you do that, Camille? Honestly, why would you do that? Why why don't you why don't you look it up and guess which ones? <laughs> you don't want to do that. Every, listen, every every bump along the way, even if it is a bump leads you to where you are right now, which is talking to me. So maybe that's a, maybe that is a, 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 a cause for regret. I don't know, but 
ultimately it's it's all it's all it's all part of life's rich yes, pageant it is of course you know i mean i truly truly learn from every everything i've ever done every single time you learn something obviously you know it'd be amazing if everything you really did turned out great that's just not what happened so you know um i think i think you try and deal with that and move on but truly no regrets everything i've done i've really genuinely enjoyed and and learned a lot from and to me you know that's sort of been the adjustment i've done this last year and a half or tried to do is not be so results focused and be more experienced experience focused so make decisions based on you know i used to make decisions based on oh this should be big people will watch this yeah. and you can't control that so now i try and base it on oh will i have time doing this will i learn from it will i get to work with people i admire and and who's uh who who i want to you know get to know so it's so i've sort of tried to change how i how i approach work and not be so uh beholden to how it's going to be received when it's out this brings us very nicely on to migration. You're no stranger to, you know, doing voices for animated films, animated shows. So, but but it was was the chance to work with Illumination. Was that something that that you wanted to do? Yeah, I you know I've been working on this movie for six years, so it's been <laughs> oh, quite a long time. Wow. Um, and it's interesting doing animation because you know my experience making uh, stuff where you're on camera. It's always on the ride home. You're like, ah, I should have done it that way. Soon as they're like, all right, moving on from the scene, you're like, well, now I figured out how to do the scene. But you can't go back and do it again. Animation, you can, you know? Animation, you really can sort of take months to figure out your character. Um, and so it's very freeing in that way. Um where the 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 process you know accounts for evolution um and so for me that was what was great was you could be like a year into doing something and being like oh actually i think this character is like this instead and you just go and redo it um and and watching how this movie sort of evolved over that time was very instructive too how did it evolve what was it at the very beginning what was mac at the very beginning as opposed to where he ends up. Well, his his arc was always that he's sort of this um, guy who's scared of letting his family go and sort of live on their own. But it was weird because while we were doing this, the pandemic happened. And suddenly that whole arc uh, becomes a lot more relevant and a lot more present in your life. And I truly started, I was like that, you know, because Emily um, is in a high-risk group. And so I suddenly got very nervous and I didn't want her to leave the house and I'd get very, um, um, I'm trying to find a word that doesn't paint me in a completely negative light. <laughs> I just became very concerned about her safety yeah. because of love. And um, and suddenly I realized, oh, this is what Mac is. Exactly. He doesn't want his family to go out there because he's afraid of what might happen to them. And that's what I had become. Uh, but I would say in real life, I'm still act one Mac. I haven't gotten to the point where it's like, it's okay. Go out and live your lives. Have your adventures. I'm not there yet. But um, that art became really, really, uh, you know, it became very emotionally relevant to the way I was living. <laughs> What's interesting, and again, I don't want to give spoilers away, and, 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 and the change does happen, and, you know, Mac Mac discovers that there's more to life than 
than uh, protecting his family, shall we say. That's that's another very positive way of painting it. But equally, he's kind of also right about a lot of stuff. <laughs> like, leaving the nest is incredibly dangerous. Yeah, he's right the entire time, I think. <laughs> and, you know, I'm going to have Emily listen to this podcast. <laughs> you can be our couple's therapist. <laughs> um, yeah, no, he is right about the dangers. You know, he's not lying, but I think that's the message of the movie, right? Like, yeah, it's safer to stay at home. There are dangers out there, but you really have to live, go, go and live your life. And this is an exact re- recreation of many conversations Emily and I have had. <laughs> so it just really... Um, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, but, but the, you know, the dangers in the movie are all really fun. I like how it really feels like, um, like an adventure, you know, I really love the chef character. He's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot darker than I think most animated movies aimed at families are these days. There's a real sense of danger and a real sense of like genuine threat, uh, in this one. Yeah, this guy is killing ducks, you know? <laughs> and um, so, yeah, it's like life or death. And uh, I love the chef. I love his design. And I love the action sequences with him. You know, Benjamin is so imaginative with that stuff that uh, it sort of combines the real danger with the fun of seeing, like, a, you know, an, a, a family animated adventure. Uh, so in terms of the voice, there, there's a... There's a uh... A very funny joke that you, which I won't give away, which kind of uh, speaks to how I think people might expect a duck to sound like on screen later on, but but otherwise it's it's pretty much you doing you. It's your voice. Were you tempted to go down the Donald Duck Daffy Duck route at any point, or was that something you didn't want to try? No, I I mean they were like we wanted him, we want Mac to sound like you, and I was like, okay, that's easy. I'll have Mac <laughs> sound like me, you know. And um, Liz sounds like Liz, and Danny sounds like Danny. I mean, Uncle Dan. Um, yeah, they just wanted it to feel very sort of natural because it really is. It's a movie about a family, and so they really wanted it all to feel uh, authentic and natural. Not that you know Donald Duck doesn't sound authentic. No shade. You know, I'm sure there's some very uh, cathartic episodes of the Donald Duck show. Yeah, I just wish I could understand what the hell he was saying. I just, I, I can't. I need the subtitles. Why is it that, yeah, Donald Duck and Daffy Duck both are like, both talk in that same specific kind of way. And they're both, they're both assholes. <laughs> they are. Now I come to think about it, I think it's a little duckist. There's a lot of anti-duck propaganda out there, and I'm glad migration is here to set <laughs> set the record straight. Because we've been like, there's been like, yeah, duck slander in the animated world for as long as I can remember. I, I can't think of a duck who's good. That's a very, very good point. I can't even think of who would be behind this. I mean, who is the natural enemy of a duck? Who would be who would be setting out to slander ducks on this scale? I'm not going to take your bait and slander giants of animation. <laughs> I'll go on just a little bit. Nope. <laughs> They'll sue you, not me. It's totally fine. Exactly. <laughs> You've got more money than me. It's fine. This comes out in... Yeah, but I don't want to give it away. <laughs> yeah, I don't want like a ticking time bomb out there. This comes out in February. From now until February, I'm like, all right. I yeah. hope Chris edits that out and doesn't ruin my career. 
Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. That's a very, very good point indeed. Um, so, as I said, you're no stranger to to voiceovers. Do you have an approach? Do you have a technique? Is it down now completely when you go into that booth? You know how you're going to act. You know what's going to happen. No, it's very, very fluid, much more fluid than on camera acting. On camera acting, you know, I have a really good sense of what I'm going to do, at least start off. And then you go there and you see what the other actors are doing and what the space is like. And it changes, you know, which is really exciting. Um, But I go in very, very, very prepared. I'm off book. I know all my lines. I know exactly exactly i have it mapped out in my head and then on the day you completely forget it with animation you just sort of go in and discover it every single time because uh you really are in the hands of the director it really is about trusting the filmmaker with animation so um because it you know it's fluid It, it changes a lot every time i've done voiceover unless it's episodic voiceover then you know you have to be very dialed in but anytime i've done an animated film it changes a lot. So you really can't prepare for it. And so much of it is in the hands of the filmmaker and how it's edited, you know? I mean, so I've recorded hours and hours and hours of conversation and scenes that are not in the movie. Bloody hell. Do you take, uh, do you, do you take line readings in situations like that? Or is it very much or, or more organic? I'm okay with line readings in animation. Uh, the only reason that I think on-camera line readings are tough is because, and I don't... It's because I'd much rather hear um, what what they want the result to be than I than because then I'll just get the cadence stuck in my head. Yeah. But with animation, you're like, oh, you want me to say it like that? Okay, I'm going to try and say it exactly like that ten times. Start recording. You just say the line ten times, and then they'll find the one that works best. You know. But it is still later in the process. It actually got a little bit easier when they started having tracks that I could um, record with. So later, you know, I never was able to record with another actor, but they'd have tracks from uh, Liz or Aquafina or Keegan, and you can hear them and respond as if uh, in a real conversation. And I think that that's when it really starts to be uh, uh, a a little more like um, traditional acting. Amazing. Uh, Kamel, I am being wrapped. Uh, finally and aggressively wrapped. So, so it's time. It's yeah, time to man. say that's it. Don't don't fuck with illumination. <laughs> Absolutely not. Those those minions. They'll send them after me. Uh, always a pleasure talking to you, sir. Kamel, thanks very much indeed. All right. Cheers. Thank you. Okay, so that was Kamel Nanjiani, and we will be reviewing migration. Well, pretty soon because it is time for the reviews section of the pod. Should we kick off with Argyle, which is Matthew Fawn's return to the spy genre. It's been five minutes since he made a spy movie. Uh, clearly, <laughs> clearly he was getting itchy, so he decided to make another one. Who wants to take this one? Who wants to lead off and explain as best you can without spoiling anything? <laughs> because there are no fewer, I've counted them, than 12 twists in this movie. Right. Uh, Benjamin. Shall I give it a go? Give it okay, a go. Okay, so Argyle is based you on a novel. You've spoiled it, Ben. You've spoiled it. The real agent Argyle. Uh, Argyle <laughs> is based on a novel by Ellie Conway, which is a physical book that exists. Except Ellie Conway is the central character of the movie Argyle, played by Bryce Dallas Howard, who is an author who writes Argyle spy novels, the fictional <laughs> agent played in the movie by Henry Cavill. 
who she writes these novels, but there's kind of more truth in the novels than she realizes. And so all these bad people are after her. And so Sam Rockwell's real spy, Aiden, comes to intercept her to stop all the baddies from getting her. And it kicks off this whole globetrotting adventure where her ideas of what spy life is like that she writes in her novels, which are very almost like a bit of a 60s Bond pastiche. It's all like lovely fabrics and delicious cocktails and femme fatales rubs up against the real experience of spy life that she experiences with Sam Rockwell's Aiden. Is that... Mm. I feel like that's pretty good. The only thing you haven't mentioned is Claudia Schiffer's cat chip. There is a cat. <laughs> who has a Sometimes the role. cat is in the bag. Sometimes the cat is out of the bag. They have used it extensively in the marketing. It's less of a big deal than you think it's going to be. It's just a cute cat. Yeah. Mm. And it is actually Claudia it, Schiffer and Matthew Vaughn's cat. Yes, yeah, it, it is. is. Yeah. 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 It is their real Which cat. Is cute. Chip the cat. Chip the cat. <laughs> good <laughs> advice there. Very good advice in case you yeah. lose your cat. So this is another Matthew Vaughn spy movie, but it is tonally quite different to the Kingsman movies. You get some fun, inventive, crunchy action stuff, but it is 12A rated. You are not going to get exploding heads. You are not going to get some of the things that we don't really like in the Kingsman movies that make you feel a little bit... Yeah. Oh, no inappropriate things. Speak for yourself. Form. Speak for yourself, pal. But uh, yes, there is there is one F-bomb in this. Yes. One F-bomb. Nobody's heads explode and nobody gets fingered. Yeah. If you want to just lay it out there. On screen. I mean, <laughs> on screen. whatever they're doing I mean, off screen, that's absolutely. Off screen, they might have been just going to town on each other, but <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it, I, I would say this is a lot less obnoxious in yes. that sense than, than maybe the Kingsman movies. It has a really sweet energy to it all. Uh, as the film goes on, as, you know, Ellie spends more time with Aiden and their relationship sort of changes through the course of the film. I really liked their evolving relationship and I felt really caught up in their chemistry. Yeah, I feel like if you're going to try and make your film likeable, casting Bryce Dallas Howard and Sam Rockwell in kind of a rom-com <laughs> is an excellent start. Specifically letting Sam Rockwell be funny. He's great. He is so, great and he got loads of attention for Three Billboards, but I don't like that film and I struggled with that <gasps> character and just seeing him get to be like fun this and is goofy. This is the film you should win his Oscar for, isn't it? <laughs> We're swapping it to this. Good stuff. Sorry, Justin Hammer. Um, so he's really fun. Bryce, I think, is amazing. She gets loads to do. And I just thought she was tons of fun and, you know, really sold the character in all these kind of different movements of the film uh, in a way that was really impressive. And it's a bit of a, you know, a misdirect. They, they tell you in the trailer that the Henry Cavill as Agent Argyle stuff is a fictional construct within the film. If you are going to see Henry Cavill's Agent Argyle, that is not the movie that you're getting. And I struggled a bit with some of the like stylistic mm. constructs they came up with where well, you see Sam Rockwell yeah. in a really kick-ass fight and then they keep cutting from Sam Rockwell doing the fight to uh, Henry Cavill doing the fight and how his fictionalised Agent Argyle would be in that fight versus how Sam Rockwell is in the fight. So I think what's interesting though about some of the action scenes is that it is through Ellie's eyes and it's through, it's what she's kind of, how she's processing yeah. what's happening in front of her, which I think is quite quite fun. And some of the scenes are clearly meant to be fantastical, including the one with the colours that you've glimpsed in the trailer. And I thought that kind of stuff was clever, even there are, though there are a bunch of twists and a bunch of turns to this movie. You know, I've seen it twice and they do broadly make sense while being obviously extremely silly and making no sense <laughs> in the real world. But in the world of the movie, you know, things do tie together. They have been mm. quite carefully laid out that way. So, you know, full marks for that and like I say I really really enjoyed Rockwell 
and and Howard in this. I have lots of nits to pick. I have lots of things I didn't love. I thought the CG looked pretty cheap and that really took away from some of the action bits and some of the flourishes. There's a bit with a parachute and a train and I'm like, we've seen that this year and it was done significantly better. And I know that not everybody is Tom Cruise and not everybody should be Tom Cruise, but equally, a lot of the time, the the, the CG moments of this really fell down for me in comparison. Um, but I had a much better time than I was expecting. I think it's a bit too long. It is I too think long. the there is a mid credit sting uh, that I find baffling and or irritating. <laughs> but um, but generally speaking, given how much I I really really loathed the King's Man and how the King's Man you didn't like the King's Man the, the King's Man Ray no. Fiennes oh, one no no I did not you didn't no. like that one we had this conversation we didn't we never we, 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 I'm pretty we sure on the podcast you don't like any of the Kingsman films though do you? I didn't like, I don't love any of them but I kind of went along with the earlier ones but but. There was a last act development in The King's Man that really irritated me beyond reason. Um, this really? Nothing Which one? In the, 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 the death? The, the, the bad guy uh, reveal. Oh, the okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hated. Because we never did a spoiler special for that one. Did we not? No, we didn't. Uh, anyway, Maybe we should. Anyway. Are we, are we doing one for this? Because I would yes, like to are. get into some of the stuff in this. So there's I've a lot of nits I'm going to pick. a 50-minute interview with Matthew Fauna. Really. Fantastic. But I genuinely had so much of a better time than I was expecting to. Mm. Um, and, and I... I I think a lot of the reviews are being quite harsh and I feel like there's some pent-up rage against the Kingsman movies yes. that's coming out on this movie. No, I'm with you. So I was sitting next to you while you were having fun watching this and, and I, I, I don't love the Kingsman films. I find them a little bit obnoxious, but I do feel... I love the first one. The first one's just... I like the first one. I think it's fine, but I... I don't love them, and and I think, but I think the the slew of just one star reviews for this film are are insane, and I feel like there's a bit of a a backlash against the Kingsman films or against Vaughn. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what the agenda is because I I didn't particularly love this film, but on no planet is this a one star or even a two star film. Like that strikes me as insane. I think you know it's it's perfectly entertaining. As you say, the relationships are great. They're a lot of fun to hang around with. The action is really well put together. It's visually inventive. Sometimes you see things that you really don't think you have seen before. Uh, so I thought it was a lot of fun. But it is a shame that certain people don't get more screen time. And I found the plot stuff very heavily telegraphed. Like I knew everything that was going to happen before it happened, which was a shame too. At the same time, the the some of the plot stuff is quite telegraphed. At the same time, it, this film is like twist after twist after twist. There are a lot. Every 10 or 15 minutes, there's another twist, which having only seen it once, I don't know. By the end of it, I'm like, I was along for the ride. I don't know how any of this stuff fits together. Maybe it does really well. But in the moment, I think it is quite fun to watch something that keeps shape-shifting every few minutes. Mm -hmm. And it, it does relish in doling those twists out and kind of setting something up and then subverting it mm -hmm. and, you know, giving you a little bit of a different flavor mm -hmm. to what you were expecting. And it, and so it, I enjoyed that ride element of yeah. it. And it does walk that line between fantasy and reality, I think, quite well. I will say right here and now... I just didn't understand the ending of this film. I don't Genuinely <laughs> do not understand it. Didn't understand the end of the film. Definitely didn't understand the mid-credits thing. Walked out utterly baffled. And I'm not sure that's I think that great. may also have hurt it. I think that genuinely the credit sting may have hurt this film. Yeah, I think it probably did but, for reasons we can't really discuss without discussing the sting. But I genuinely I walked out and I was just I remember telling you I have no idea what just fucking happened. Not a clue. Don't know what that was about. So yeah, so uh, I will say I've seen this a number of times, and I, I you know, as as people may know, I'm a Matthew Fawn fan. Uh, I think that he's a, a really interesting and fun commercial filmmaker. Uh, I love the first Kingsman. I love Kick Ass, X Men First Class, 
these are great popcorn movies. And I think this is kind of up there with those movies for me. I think it's one of his best movies in, in a while. I think it's really fun because I've seen it a couple of times. Helen, I don't know what it was like for you seeing it the second time around once you know. Mm. Like, I, I'd be very intrigued, James, if you're on the spoiler special. Every twist was telegraphed. I'm, I'm not so sure about that. I think there are some that genuinely, I think, take people by surprise. But there's, um, there's, there's, uh, there's so much going on here. It is so much fun. It is not the movie that it's that's been sold as. I, I think it's fascinating. This is coming out in the same week as American Fiction, which is also a film in which features its lead character, who is an author. Uh, having a conversation with the character that he has created uh, and uh, is also not the movie that was sold in the trailers. It is a, no, it not. is a very, very different film and this is not that. What you're getting is this lovely action rom-com between Sam Rockwell and Bryce Dallas Howard. Uh, she in particular is miraculous in this film. She's so good. She is incredible in this film. He is... Like Sam Rockwell is just pure charisma. He always has been. Mm -hmm. And this is a sort of film that I'm sure Hollywood's been trying to get him to do for, for years and he's not done it. He's now 55 and he's doing it. Do you know what? He was walking around at one point in jeans and a white shirt and a sort of, uh, I don't know, vaguely baseball-y jacket. I don't know what you call that. But I was like, I genuinely would like to see him play Tom Hank Tom Cruise's brother in something. Yeah. I feel like the two of them, the, it would kind of work visually. They could, I, I don't know, would, go yeah. on an adventure. I don't care. Yeah. Just just let them hang out. I would watch that movie. He's got that kind of energy. And, uh, you know, it, it's just, it's a blast for me. It's an, it's an absolute blast. The action scenes, especially the ones towards the end, uh, once the film really, really gathers momentum, are great. And they actually do things, weird things like advanced character. I, I am frankly baffled by the slew of one-star reviews that this movie has got. Uh, we've given it three. I even think that's a bit harsh, but but hey-ho. Uh, three stars we have given this movie. But for me, I've had an absolute blast with it. And I think I've seen it with an audience uh, and it goes, it plays like gangbusters. Yes, so I think I, it's going to do well. I, it might do well. I think the reviews may seriously affect people's desire to go see it. But you never know. Valentine's Day is coming up. It's a big romantic film. You know, who knows? Three stars then for Argyle. Let's move on next to American fiction. I've already kind of said a little bit about it, but Jimbo, what else can you say? Uh, yeah, you kind of set it up quite nicely because it, I mean, everyone saw the trailer for this, for the trailer was was genuinely brilliant. Uh, this is uh, called Jefferson's first film. Obviously, people know him from TV. He's worked on The Good Place. He's worked on Watchmen, all sorts of things. Uh, but this essentially stars Jeffrey Wright as Thelonious Ellison, a.k.a. Monk. Uh, <laughs> and he is a writer of, let's say, not, not necessarily pretentious, but quite highbrow literary fiction. So very, very good books. Don't sell anything. Uh, he finds himself increasingly frustrated uh, when another book, which is uh, written by uh, Issa Rae's character, Sintara Golden, does very, very well, wins all sorts of prizes when he feels that it leans into stereotypes of black culture. And he gets feedback from publishers that his books aren't black enough, despite he himself being black. Therefore, he sets out one evening, and I have to say, given how long it takes to write a book, as, as far as sort of like protests go, a lot of effort goes into this particular protest. He writes an entire book, just to take the piss and like like basically um stick two fingers up at 
white people's perception of black culture, basically leaning into black stereotype heavily. And it's it's a mockery. It's deliberately a mockery. He doesn't expect to sell it. He doesn't want anyone to think it's great. He knows it's shit, but he's trying to make a point. He's trying to make a political point with it. And of course, the twist is, everyone fucking loves it. It's massive. He writes it under a pseudonym. He becomes huge and has to pretend to be that pseudonym to inhabit the role of the author who he's pretending is like an ex-con who's on the run from the law. And it's ludicrous. And all this is in the trailer. And you think, this is a really funny satire on 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 the media's perception of black culture, on white people's perception of black culture, and how black artists are perceived. And all of that is true. Except when you watch the film, that's like 10% of this film. Because it's a family dynamics drama in which you explore his relationship with his broader family, with his uh, his brother, played by Sterling K. Brown, who's uh, recently divorced and gay, and uh, his sister as well, and with his mother, who's got early-onset dementia and has to go into a home. And then he meets Erica Alexander's character, Coraline, and begins a relationship with her. So he's coming to terms with how he fits in with other people's lives and how he perceives himself because he sees himself as a very worthy, very good author and the fact that he's finding success for doing something absolutely abhorrent to him really turns his sense of self upside down, I think. And and it's really interesting watching him come to terms with that and how the ripples of that impact how he relates to his family and his relationship. So it's wonderful. And I genuinely think like what Jefferson could have done with this, just on the satirical side of this, you've got a brilliant film. I think it would have been a great film. But the fact that you have all this other stuff in here as well, and it has so much emotional depth and resonance to it, makes it something else entirely. Like it's 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 touching, it's heartbreaking, it's sad, it's moving, it's really fucking funny as well. It's incredibly well written. Like it's a hell of a film. I mean, there's a reason why it's had so much acclaim across the mm. board and great performances across the board as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I had such a good time with it's this. It's so good. And all under two hours as well, which yeah. is, you know, no mean feat. No mean feat. Uh, Not enough action scenes. It's <laughs> <laughs> no, like another it's, action scene in there. It's a fantastic debut. It has a great, great cast down to even small roles, uh, some of which I won't mention because I feel like they, they come up later in the film. John Ortiz, who's great as, uh, as his agent. All, but yes, um, <laughs> I, I just love it. And, and I love that we're seeing Jeffrey Wright get a bit more attention right now. You know, he's obviously Oscar nominated, but mm-hmm. deservedly so for this. Yeah. But it feels like he's always been this guy. He's always been this this level of performer. And, and he's now getting this role that allows yeah. him to showcase what he can do. It is fantastic and it is really funny it's very uncomfortable at times as a sort of well-meaning liberal white person but um, <laughs> but it's also really deeply funny well, it called me out by name <laughs> it's like, oh god no I, I I had an absolute blast with this and it's absolutely not the film that was, uh, that was sold as and I, it completely and utterly blindsided me this film I, I, I loved it. I mean I'd heard it was amazing it was nominated for best picture and obviously Jeffrey Wright uh, nominated for Best Actor, Sterling K. Brown, nominated for Best yeah. Supporting Actor, uh, Cord Jefferson, direct, uh, nominated for his screenplay, uh, not for directing, but it's a great, great directorial debut. Uh, I, I just loved it. I absolutely loved it. We gave it four stars. I, I honestly don't see where the Mrs. Star yeah, went. With I'm this with one. you, actually. I thought, I thought that too. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me, I, I think this is, uh, this is, along with the holdovers, my, early front runner 
for film of the year. I know we're on February 1st as we're recording this, but but still. June part two is now yet. June part two. June. <laughs> James, you sounded a little bit Irish then. June, June part two. June part two, no, part two yeah, no, is now out yet. yet. Now with Edith Deprecons. Uh, he yeah. just wants to be nominated for best actor sometimes. So, you know, he's getting Give it. me all the spice. <laughs> I don't know where I'm from. Okay? Wow. They're all after me lucky charms. Cultural uh, appropriation. Jeez. It is fantastic. It is fantastic. Uh, all right. Slightly less fantastic, sadly, is Migration. Hell's Bells, what can you say about Migration? Yeah, so this is the story. Uh, we should say it, this is an Illumination movie. It is written Illumination! by... <laughs> it's written by Mike White. Yes, of The White Lotus. Um, uh, directed say, by Benjamin <laughs> Renner, uh, French French director. And it's about a family of mallards. Uh, Camille Nanjiani plays the the head of the family. Elizabeth Banks plays his wife. Uh, I'm sure there was a ceremony. That's legal. Um, <laughs> they ducked themselves got, silly. <laughs> you've got Danny DeVito as Uncle Dan and two little kids. So um, we've got Mac, who's the, the head of the family. And he just wants to stay in his home pond forever, never wants to go anywhere. Uh, the rest of the family are a little bit more outgoing. And he is finally persuaded to migrate south for the winter. They are going to Jamaica for the winter, no less. Uh, and of course, they get into lots of scrapes and adventures on the way. Uh, Carol Kane voices a scary heron. I, I know we've all been there. They meet a depressed parrot when they go to New York, voiced by Keegan-Michael Michael Key with a Jamaican accent. Uh, Aquafina plays Chump, who is a one-footed tiny pigeon with a mad eye. In her second bird voice performance of the last <laughs> I know, 12 right? months. What's she trying to tell us? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, Honestly, I expected to hate this because I don't generally love Illumination films. Um, the last one, of course, was Super Mario Brothers, which... Yeesh. And and I also don't love, as I've talked about before, I don't love animal-led mm. animation. It's not my bag. Me. It's not my favourite. Uh, that said, I thought this was actually pretty all right. It has a lot of heart. Um, yeah. It feels like... <laughs> this is the week of really harsh reviews that are missing a star. a little bit, yeah. <laughs> this <laughs> has Danny Ducavito. <laughs> yeah, just to spoil this, we gave this two stars. I would, I, I'm would. i actually more of a three and I did yeah. not yeah. expect to be. John Nugent shredded them, put them in a pancake. <laughs> <laughs> there is a joke about shreds, I got my point. But like, I just... And, and the bad guy is a sort of chef. The bad guy is a yeah. chef who's after them. There is a bit that recalls Chicken Run. Obviously, that's just coincidence because there's no way they knew what each other was doing, I don't think. I mean, Chicken Run came out in the year 2000. No, sorry, I mean Chicken Run, the new oh, one. Oh, specifically, specifically Dawn, Dawn of the Nuggets. The Nug yeah. They didn't just take Chicken Run and just scribble out the word chicken, chicken and, and write put duck. duck. No, they okay. didn't do that. Duck Run. Um, no, but I, just, run. I just had a really nice time with this. I thought it was... It was really well laid out. There were genuine character moments. There were moments of peril, mild peril. Don't worry, the kids can still okay. see this. Um, way better than I was expecting, which is not to say brilliant, but just way better than my very low expectations. Mike White has also written Despicable Me 4, which we did get a trailer for this week. We didn't talk about that. We didn't, news. but that is a but good sign for Despicable Me 4, I think. He yeah. like is at the point where because the White Lotus is such a big success, I presume he doesn't need the illumination check, and yet he's taking that anyway? I assume that, I mean, these, these would have been probably written before White Lotus, maybe, right? May, yeah, maybe. The, 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 with the lead time for animation? Yeah, possibly. But either way, I'm glad to see someone who is smart. Oh my God. I'm glad to see someone who is as smart and as, as you know, interesting as him kind of take on these roles. Yeah, but anyway, I, I I think it's, I genuinely think we've underrated it a little bit. I, I think, think we have as well. quite charming. I think uh, our guys are four. 
America Fiction is it says five. It is. Our gals are four. No, no, you're no. wrong. Our gals definitely no, three. You're both wrong. Yeah. You're both Wait, idiots. Did James agree with me on yeah. a star rating? I'm with you on a star rating. That is a three. You're all idiots. Uh, our gals are four. America Fiction's a five. Migration's a three. So three stars in for migration. Uh, we're rebelling. Uh, uh, and by that token, zone of interest is a uh, six. A six. Yeah. So this is Jonathan Glazer's latest film. Yes, it is. This is Oscar nominated for Best Picture. Correct. Rightly. This is very, very exciting. Correct. I rightly. haven't seen it yet. Ah. Oh, because I know wrongly. I've been very busy. I'm watching Argyle loads of times, <laughs> apparently. Uh, but I know this is a, a tough sit by its very nature because this is about. Uh. Oh, really? Okay. I mean, tell us what it's about. Then. I think it's much less of a tough sit than um, many similar films. So this is about the commandant of Auschwitz, uh, Rudolf Hoss, played by Christian Friedel, and his wife Hedwig, uh, played by Sandra Huller, in her second incredible, you know, best picture yeah. uh, performance of the year. And it is about their life. And as far as they are concerned, they are living high on the hog. They have a lovely house. They have a beautiful garden that she's worked extremely hard on. And she's, you know, um, put in a little pool for the kids to play in with a little slide. She's got a fantastic selection of flowers growing and vegetables. Um, They go for afternoons by the river and down by the lake, uh, enjoying the sunshine. Um, He is well respected and, and, uh, you know, held in high esteem by his peers. The only slight, I guess, fly in the ointment, if you want to be picky about it, is that they're both fucking Nazis (laughs) and he's the commander of fucking Auschwitz. And over the wall of their lovely garden is the concentration camp. And from their lovely house, you can see the fucking chimneys. And they are going about their business as if none of that matters. And it's really a film about, you know, I guess humanity's capacity for moral blindness when Mm. it's in their their own interest. And it is about these people willfully, not just turning a blind eye to this, although they do, but also actively embracing this, actively, you know, receiving deliveries of goods confiscated from inmates going into the camp and Hedwig going through this to see what she might like to keep for herself and what she might give to her Nazi friends. Um, this is Hedwig Jeez. losing her mind when her husband appears to be about uh, on, the, on the verge of being reassigned somewhere else because she doesn't want to leave her nice house as she sees it. And it's it's all the more shocking for what you don't see. And it's all the more shocking because we can fill in the, the images of what is happening on the other side of the wall. And when we hear a gunshot, as we frequently do in the background, we know what's happening there. And when there's the sound of cranking and furnaces burning and we see smoke rising, we know what that is. And that's the horror of this film. And that's the, the sort of subtlety, mm. not even that subtle, but that, that's what's happening in, the, in this film. And this film forces you to conjure those images in your own mind throughout by not showing you any of that. Mm. And Glazer has shot this in a very, very interesting way. So he he had the 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 house built, the mm-hmm. set built, and the actors went about their business. And he basically shot it with a bunch of hidden cameras, almost Big Brother style, I, I believe. I haven't seen the film, mm-hmm. but that's my understanding. And then captured them in a very, very naturalistic style. Yeah, very, it it feels very fly on the wall kind mm. of documentary in that sense. And, you know, you've got um, Hedwig showing her her visiting mother around and showing off the garden and, you know, having friends over for tea and coffee and all this kind of stuff. There are There is another sort of um, 
thread, I guess, to this film, which is a little bit more confusing, which I'm kind of still unpacking myself. But it's it's a, a young girl creeping around at night, and that's sort of shot in in almost uh, inverse images and in, in sort of kind of quasi night vision, um, and that brings you a little bit closer to you know the the camp and the killings themselves. But um, but yeah, I, I just think it's I just think it's stunning. I think it's it's a way of confronting you with the truth without having to without showing you the truth, making it making you confront it yourself, which I think is really um an astonishing thing to do. And and just incredible inhuman performances from from the lead in particular. All right. Uh, this is only his fourth film as director. I mean he's his first in a decade pretty much since Under the Skin. But I mean sexy sexy beast, birth and under the skin. I mean he's Mm. He is one of the most fascinating directors, right? Also, I should, since Mon isn't here, you know, shout out the score by Mika Levi. Levi. Mm. And again, not not a comforting score, but one that works brilliantly for the film. Absolutely. All right. So five stars plus one, because that's the new format. Uh, six stars then for The Stone of Interest. What a week. What a week at the old multiplex. And they are all, I think, am I right in saying this? They're all available at the multiplex this week. Right? Argyle, American Fiction, none of these are on yeah, Netflix yeah, or Prime so, Video. Yeah. These are actual films you can go and see in an actual cinema. Uh, Argyle will be on Apple TV Plus at some point in the, in the not too distant future. But for now, go and see these movies on the biggest screen you can possibly find, folks. Uh, because it is good eating out there. Just like those Madame Web macarons. <laughs> <laughs> bringing it right back because on that note that is it for this week's Empire Podcast join us next week for more film related fun where we'll be joined by Best Actor Nominee and Star of American Fiction Jeffrey Wright it's very exciting he would have been on this week's episode but it's happening after tomorrow it's happening sure. Friday so I won't have time to drop it into this week's episode uh, so yeah that's very, very exciting indeed. Plus, we'll be joined by the star and the director of The Iron Claw, Sean Durkin and Zac Efron. Ooh. Very, very exciting indeed as well. Ah, why, why word? My, our cup overfloweth. It really does. Uh, but until then, until we meet again, until that auspicious occasion, it is goodbye for my three colleagues of such lethal cunning, Ben Travis. Goodbye, Ben Travis. Goodbye, Argyle. Good movie. Three stars is a recommendation, Ben. Three stars yeah. is a recommendation. You know what's more than a recommendation? Four stars. Yeah. Four stars, Ben. Um, I'm happy with three. Good move. Okay. All right. It's goodbye from James Dyer. Goodbye, Chris. I am also happy with three. Sorry. All right. That's fine. It's totally fine. That's okay. <laughs> uh, and it's goodbye from Helen O'Hara. Totally. Are you okay with three as well, Helen? I am, yes. All right, good. <laughs> it's fine. It's totally fine. And it's goodbye for me. I'm off to write a new book in which Agent Argyle punishes everyone who gives Argyle three stars or less. I wonder who's going to target first. I mean, he's got a broad pool to pick from. So. <laughs> he really does. Everyone. It's a, it's a long fucking book. And I really, I just want to say, I don't feel I should be first against the wall in that situation. No, you're not. You're, you, you will be one of the last to go. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll make the most of my time. You're a funny guy, Ben. He likes you. That's why he's going to kill you last. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Goodbye. Oh, yeah.